What is up, wrestling fans? Welcome to episode number 333 of the Smart Out Moment Smack Talk podcast. It's time for the hot tags of the week, where we're going to be breaking down some of the current events, news, gossip, rumors, and kind of anything else that we want to talk about that happened over the past couple of days in the world of sports entertainment and pro wrestling, because it's a pro wrestling podcast. And according to the person who left a comment the other day saying, stop talking and show the match already. It's a podcast. We talk. It's called Smack Talk. <laughs> it's not Smack Video. Um, yeah, so uh, fuck that guy. Uh, <laughs> I am your host, as always, Tony Mango. And joining me on the talk for this edition, yes, the talk for this edition, we've got Robert DeFelice. Hello. And Callum Wiggins. Yeah, fuck that guy. Yeah. And also, for the other dude that uh, just left uh, an email for me saying... Um, that I should hire more people for First Nations uh, for WWE. I don't work for WWE. Stop asking me to do this <laughs> stuff. And what the hell do you mean First Nation language people? Like, America? They got enough people that <laughs> America were there. I don't understand this kind of stuff, but hey, a little insight into some of the emails I get, you know. Um, what we're going to talk about today, here's a little uh, wind-up before we start smacking these uh, all out, a little baseball lingo for some reason. I'm fucking tired. Uh, we've got the Superstar Shake-Up trades. We're going to be talking about that at the end of this. That's the main, main topic that we're going to be going on here. But we also have some other random talk. We had somebody died. That sucks. We've got uh, an issue of somebody being sued. Somebody's got a name back and somebody split. And uh, pancakes and stuff. So we got a wide range of different things to talk about here. And let's just start off with, uh, let's, you know, let's start off with WWE Ride Along. The most recent episode on the WWE Network was called the Not Booty Bon Voyage episode. And it included, on one side of it, The New Day, and on the other side of it, Shelton Benjamin and Chad Gable, who are no longer a tag team, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, am I the only one to watch this? I believe so. As per usual, yes. Yeah. You're the only person that has enough time to watch the WWE Network in its entirety. Ah, <laughs> uh, in the background. <laughs> uh, skip it. It was e- not... Even the New Day? Even the New Day. Um, All right. The Shelton and Chad stuff, they, they seemed like they had nothing to talk about. And <laughs> they mentioned the idea of um, Shelton Benjamin having the gun in his um, glove compartment for the rental car. And then they clearly staged something with, like, other stuff being in the glove compartment. Because it's, like, a fake nose and um American flag and whatever. And it's just, like, a really lame attempt at, like, wouldn't it be funny if we did some kind of a callback joke for this? And it was more interesting for a split second for Shelton Benjamin to be, like... One of my favorite things that I've done was when I got picked for Taboo Tuesday. And then it was just sort of like, all right, let's move on to the new day. 
Um, the New Day itself, I mean, they were kind of funny. They were the New Day. They were kind of like their obnoxious selves, sort of. And if you're going to watch any part of this, watch the New Day part, because the most fun part about the whole thing is Big E starts cooking pancakes in the back seat, and he's got like this little griddle, and he's just kind of like whisking up pancake batter and stuff, and he's just being Big E. So if you like the New Day, like that stuff was kind of funny, but it really wasn't anything all that interesting for the most part. They go to a Waffle House, and there's a lot of, like, jokes about them. Like, uh, you know, uh, Big E's kind of like, you don't even say Waffle. It's the Dub House and, like, shit like that. But it's really not, like, something you need to go out of your way to watch, especially because it's, like, when they start pitching back over to Chad and Shelton, all the energy just goes out the window. It's just kind of like New Day sitting there laughing, you know, cracking uh jokes at each other and everything and then it goes to shelton and chad and they're like so i used to watch some of your matches yeah yeah <laughs> that kind of a thing it's really not worth it um but yeah you know if you got time to kill go ahead and put it on one thing that we need to talk about that's uh one of the only good things i guess we can talk about for this uh, outside of like some some things on the Superstar Shakeup, but Apollo Cruz is now Apollo Cruz again. Because all right, so what do you think that was? Do you think they're just like enough time has passed, he can be Cruz again, or do you think Vince was just like, why, why did we ever stop calling him Cruz? I'm I'm literally of the opinion now that Vince McMahon bases all of his opinions based on what side of the bed he wakes up in the morning. I don't know. Up- this is tough because they. They clearly took Cruz out because of the shooter. It has to be. It's too coincidental. Well, you'd think that. I mean, obviously, it makes the most sense. I'm not saying it isn't that. But you also have to go along the lines of, like, Vince has a habit of just getting rid of people's second names or first names, depending Mm -hmm. on whether he thinks they're useful or not. But the fact that they gave it the name back, I think, points more towards the shooter thing. Because they've never given another name back, except for... And this is something that I just noticed this week. Greg Hamilton refers to Harper and Rowan on like the actual announcements as Luke Harper and Eric Rowan over and over again. He did it twice with Luke Harper and once with Eric Rowan this week on SmackDown. And I didn't notice this beforehand to see if maybe he's done it before. But as far as WWE.com is concerned, they're still just Harper and Rowan. Yeah, and their nameplate said Harper and yeah, Rowan, I believe. So... You'd think that either, number one, they are back to Luke Harper and Eric Rowan and WWE.com and the graphics people just haven't gotten on their case because WWE.com has been, like, horrible the past couple of months. We're not updating anything and putting zero effort into, like, they'll put a graphic up and it it's clearly, uh, for instance, there's one that it might still be up, actually for the Greatest Royal Rumble, where they took a, a photo that they already had with a black background, and they didn't want it to have it to be a black background, so they just kind of did, like, the magic eraser in Photoshop, and they didn't erase a whole lot of things, and it looks really bad. And there's, like, there's stuff like that on WWE.com, and WWE.com hasn't updated some of the people of the, uh, the Superstar Shakeup either. So it's like, well maybe they are Luke Harper and Eric Rowan again, but maybe they just haven't updated that. However, they updated it for Apollo. So it seems almost like it was a mandate of like, no, we're going to call him Apollo Crews again. 
specifically. Yet, if that's the case, it was only, what, two months ago, maybe, that he became Apollo? Um, if that, because it was a pay-per-view. It was right before Chamber, I think. Maybe. Some, it was like, it wasn't that long ago. And for him to go to Apollo and then go back to Apollo Crews, we don't have like Elias Samson or uh, Colin Cassidy or Biggie Langston or Alexander Rusev or Antonio Cesaro or any of the other people that are like that. So it's weird that they would just fall back on Apollo like that. But Apollo Crews is a much better name. So I'm glad that they did that, at the very least. It's like, it's a positive. It's not like they decided that in the midst of changing a bunch of names that they wanted to get rid of, like, say, um, I don't know, Dolph Ziggler, and they, they're just like, well, he's just Dolph from now on, then, you know? I, I, I hope that he takes solace in the fact that when he's uh, jobbing to the Revival and live events, that he can just uh, take solace in the fact that he's got a second name again. <laughs> Must be a great comfort for him in these dark times. Well, Apollo Crews doesn't have much else. At least he's got his surname. You know, it seems like, uh, well, I, we'll talk about this a little bit, but Titus Worldwide could get a little bit of a push recently. But there's the glass ceiling, and um, they're not going to break it. <laughs> oh, we have plenty of bad stuff to talk about, though. Let's just uh, get into this one. Bruno San Martino has passed away. He was 82 years old, which... Um, Hey, you're 82. Like, it comes with the territory, you know? It's not, like, one of those things where it's, like... It sucks, obviously, for anybody who's, like, a fan of his or anybody who, you know, friends or family or whatever like that, but when when people kind of refer to elderly people passing away as, like, tragedies, I kind of think, like, well, you know, it happens. It's It happens to everybody, and it sucks, but it's not necessarily a tragedy as if, like, you know... um like that Jarius kid just like got like hit by a car tomorrow or something like that. Then it would be like, ah, oh, Christ. Like, you know what I mean? Like 82, he lived a lot longer than a lot of these other wrestlers tend to do. It's sometimes double the age of some of these people. And that's pretty good overall. Like see, Martino was in pretty good shape for somebody who was a, an older wrestler, a bygone era where they didn't know as much about like steroids and different things. And, um, just age in general, 82, like it, shit. I, I hope I make it to 82. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, um, obviously it's better to, I don't, obviously it's never good to hear about someone passing away, but it's better to hear somebody lived a full life experienced everything they did and wasn't taken from us like too soon so that's obviously a benefit but you go along the lines of someone losing someone like bruno san martino the um like the, the impact that he left in professional wrestling like i don't want to say there isn't a wwf without bruno san martino or wwe what becomes wwe without bruno san martino but he was their star for a significant period of time when they were competing with other promotions to like cement themselves as one of the t the top name in professional wrestling yeah i mean like, he he was the guy yeah he was before hogan this was the megastar of professional wrestling well because he was vince senior's guy and there was still very much a northeast territory and bruno was you know a rather large italian man and 
the fans going to the garden could relate to that. And he was a god among that circle for quite some time. He's such an, like, a fascinating character. He's such a, a rich backstory of somebody who came to America without having... Like, he is, in many people's eyes, the epitome of, like, an American dream type character. Somebody that came... <laughs> also dead, so don't, that's sad as well. So. But uh, he's he came over to America without... He couldn't speak a word of English. He'd survived... Um, Nazi like, Germany. Nazi Germany. Nazi Germany is part of, like, living in Italy at the time. So, yeah, surviving both Nazi Germany and the fascism that was in Italy at the time. Uh, comes over, like, gets picked on because he was... As a child, he was quite, like, measly and quite weak. So he builds himself up through bodybuilding and stuff like that. He becomes one of the strongest men in the world, quite literally at the time, because he broke world records for bench pressing, I think, and stuff along those lines. And then he becomes famous as a wrestler, but essentially takes a WWF at the time and places it on his shoulders, like, holds the championship like, it's so weird to me that he's ne- he's not the first champion. He's the second champion, but the first champion only held it for like a couple of weeks, was it? A month, maybe? Yeah, not much at all. And then he holds it for seven, like nearely eight years. And then, then drops um, it and holds it for, what was it, like three years or something like that after that? like Yeah, close to three years. So I think his, his title reigns span over 11 years, like his two title reigns. That's insane. And it's like, it's never going to happen again. No, it can't happen. That was the product of an era where your champion stayed on top for, well, in his case, literally decades. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's- you're literally homesteading the territory and you you build a relationship with the audience, which, you know, doesn't happen today. And Especially now when you're trying to push somebody like Roman Reigns and like it's Roman not working. Reigns, yeah. Imagine he's trying like, to give Roman Reigns a nine-year title reign. <laughs> they, they might do it, Tony. <laughs> he's one of the people synonymous with Madison Square Garden. Like, yeah. like people think that of Madison Square Garden as like WWE's home. He was a huge part of that. And when he ended, like lost his first world championship, like I, I didn't. I've seen like clips of it. I haven't seen the full match itself, but you could tell that there was like a pin drop. You could hear a pin drop when the match happened because the people were just so in shock of the fact that he would lose the championship. I mean, that shows like, like nowadays we'd be like baffled if somebody was holding the title for over a year. Like that we would consider that to be like, Oh my God, they've held this championship forever. It seems like, like to go that length of time holding one title, with no changes whatsoever. It must be like just mind boggling when it ends. Mm. To put this into perspective, Mike Tyson thought Bruno San Martino was the baddest dude on the planet. You know? That's how important Bruno was in his time. Yeah, there's no question of how important he was. He was the type of person that really... There's, you know... We're going to get to this eventually at some point, maybe in the next couple of weeks or so, but, like, the... The segment of Mount Rushmore, where we talk about, like, you got to pick four. Like, who would be the Mount Rushmore of wrestling? Who would be the Mount Rushmore of tag teams? Like, blah, blah, blah. If you're talking about a Mount Rushmore of, say, 
like the uh, pre-Hogan era, essentially, Bruno San Martino is without a doubt one of those. It's Bruno, Bob Backlund, uh, Andre the Giant, and I don't even know who the third one would be off the top of my head. If we're just talking um, WWE Mount Rushmore pre-Hogan, I think it's Bruno, Andre, Backlund, and maybe like a Pedro Morales or... You know, like who who do you even put up there? Right, that that's, can even rival those guys. That's where the debate comes in. But there's no debate. San Martino's on that list. Oh no, uh, he's, he's right up there. It's like he's one of the top stars of the, like stretching from the 50s all the way through to the 70s. Like he's one of the the like biggest names. Like you put him alongside the likes of, I mean, obviously with the Hogan era and changes in wrestling, things have changed. People like rate him differently because. It wasn't like he was a very technically sound wrestler. He was just huge and incredibly strong. I mean, he, he used the bear hug as his finishing maneuver. So if, if somebody used a bear hug nowadays, you'd just be, like, bored out of your mind. It's a transition hold now. It's not a, um, it's not a finish to any, to any match. No, so even if it, somebody was big enough to be able to pull off doing a bear hug for a finish, people would be like, "Really, the bear hug's your finish? Fucking lame!" Like that kind of thing. But he's he's a product of a different era, yeah. And like out of that era, he was essentially the king of it. And it's it, it's obviously great that it's it's upsetting, obviously, that he's gone. But it was great that he got the chance to resolve his differences with WWE and end up in the Hall of Fame before he passed away. Yeah, it's always good to see people bury the hatchet like that and be able to actually get a little bit of closure on their career and not go out the way that somebody like a Randy Savage or, um, well, plenty of other people mm. have unfortunately been. So, obviously, uh, it talks for the family and friends and fans and such. R.I.P. Bruno. Um, we're all a little bit too young for Bruno. So it's not like we have any like personal connection. Like, man, I can't tell you about how many times I saw him in the, the garden. It's like, no, I, I honestly don't think I've actually sat down and watched an entire Bruno match period. It's not my thing, but can't deny the impact that he had on the business. That's for sure. He's an icon. Uh, let's see here. Let's talk about, a little bit of uh, legal troubles. Randy Orton's tattoo artist has decided that she is going to sue both 2K and WWE. Uh, Catherine Alexander is her name. She filed a lawsuit because she claims that she owns the copyright to his designs of his tattoos. And that because they replicated it for the games that they owe her money. This is tough. Um... This report from TMZ claims she talked to them about it in 2009 and they offered her $450 for rights for the designs and she declined. And then it's just kind of been lingering. We know that 2009 has been nine years ago. So for nine years, she has just decided not to do anything and now she's going to sue I I don't know maybe it's just because I'm cynical and stuff I'm skeptical 
I'm looking at this and going, maybe she's in some kind of financial trouble. Absolutely. And she's just like, let me just try to sue them now because maybe I can get away with it. But if they offered her 450 bucks in the past for the designs and she said no, I got to imagine WWE's at least got a case to be able to say, look, fuck you. We tried to be nice and it's just Randy Orton's tattoos he owns a certain percentage of the rights to this kind of a thing because it's tattoos on his body. And I can't imagine this being a copyright type of thing. Like for instance, like CM Punk had that Pepsi logo. Well, that's the Pepsi brand. If this woman legitimately like copyrighted tribal tattoos, I don't know, man. Like that seems a little weird to me. Well, just to play like devil's advocate in this situation, she did likely design these the artwork that was is on Randy Orton's body. So I'm thinking it's had, the sleeves, right? Pro- probably something along those lines. I mean, we don't well, know says, specifics. It says the tattoos mentioned in the suit are the tribal tattoo that he has on his upper back, as well as the full sleeve with the Bible verse, dove skulls, and a rose. Well, first off, you can't copyright a bible verse Jesus did and I'm sure. the the dove skull rose like that kind of a thing it's like uh, I don't know like well, it's, it's, like, it's like anything like if someone does a drawing of a flower it's not like they can't copyright it because it's a flower and flowers exist right so, <laughs> so it's, yeah it's there's, still, there's it's grounds still, for this yeah she, she definitely has a, a leg to stand on this situation maybe and whether it's financially motivated because she is suffering problems in that department or not, she does still have a claim to that stuff. And if WWE offered her money to like feature this stuff in the video game and she refused and they still did it anyway, then that she has a completely legitimate leg to stand on to say that, okay, you like you're presenting my artwork without um my my permission. I look at it this way though, like if you pay to have somebody tattoo you, isn't it kind of inherently at least somewhat implied that when you're paying for the tattoos, that you're paying for the right to be able to have that tattoo on you and to be able to like, for instance, like WWE's taken all these pictures of Randy Orton over these years and he's on television. Does she get a a cutback on every single time because they're using her graphics on his body, you know, like it's a tattoo. It's not like they decided to, to use that logo like, uh, for her tattoo shop and said like, you know, this is our logo for payback now, or, you know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. I think it's more along the lines that they've had to like digitally recreate the image to make his 2k character. It's not a case of like if they show him on TV wearing the stuff or anything like that. They can't obviously she can't hold against it because it's not like he can just cover up the tattoos or anything along those lines. But the fact they've had to essentially make an, a replica of it or a copy of it and put it into a another character, essentially is just, that is more of a breach of copyright because she might have copyrighted the image herself, and then if they've had to duplicate it because they want to get his tattoos as accurate as possible for some reason because. The one thing I'm looking for in my 2K characters to make sure all their tattoos are perfectly aligned and in the right, right place. Like seriously, the, it's a case of like WWE 
wanting to be too accurate like with these graphics and stuff like that like who the fuck cares what randy orton's tattoos look like in his wrestling character well they might end up just creating a whole new set of tattoos just for the in-game like they did with punk and jericho yeah they should like that's that's the smart thing to do create your own like like essentially just try and make it look as as similar as possible with making a completely original look because it's not like anyone actually cares what about figures do you know anybody know if that is accurate for the figures or not i'm not sure i can't remember, i mean i haven't bought a wrestling figure for years yeah, and I mean, years but like since i was like nine like that kind i think of thing, but. i had a randy orton like action figure and i think the tattoos were basically pretty generic on it hmm like just they were just like little squiggles on his arm or something like that. It wasn't like finely detailed about all the. Yeah, I'm looking at one aspects. right now. It looks like it's just uh, squiggles, but you can make out a rose. But that's about it. So essentially, the makers of WWE's action figures are more legal conscious than the makers of WWE's video games. Well, 2K is so anal about being the perfect simulator, and I. I, honestly, when I read that they were getting sued, I was hoping they were getting sued by WWE and it was going to be something that could potentially remove them from making the games. I hate their <laughs> games. I, I don't want them to make the games, but that's neither here nor there. And, you know, let's see what happens with this. I'm sure there won't be too much of a repercussions. Maybe we just get generic tattoos for Randy and 2K19. I could see that being the case, and I could also see them just, if the case is a scenario where, for instance, she is just kind of like running into money trouble and trying to get a little bit of attention or, you know, whatever like that, then they could be like, look, here's, you know, you didn't take the 450 bucks, here's the thousand dollars, shut up. You know what I mean? Yeah, this green settle out of court situation. Yep. And it would be hilarious if they were like, all right, fine, you want to sue them? All right, 2K, that's what you get. <laughs> Just kind of like, <laughs> here's your two your two grand, good enough, knock it off, stop bothering us. But I don't know. Um, it's the type of thing where I don't know really exactly how the copyright law works with that. And I would think that both sides have at least a little bit of leeway and... It might just depend on whatever judge is looking this over or something. And it's certainly not going to be one of those things where it's like, I'm going to take down WWE. It's like they'll throw some fucking spare change her way and 2K will do the same. And then she'll well, knock it off. And, you know, like that that's how it's going to work. Well, at least at least we know the reason why they decide to strip Randy Orton of the United States Championship. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Clearly, it's a tattoo issue. That would imply that they planned some of this stuff out. Uh, I'm giving them too much credit. Yeah. Based <laughs> off we're of getting these, there. You know, there's multiple reasons why I'm so damn tired today. And WWE is not helping. <laughs> They're not helping this fucking week. And last week. And the week before that. Uh. Well, um... One of the things I've been hearing from a lot of people, because a lot of people are having a rough time right now. I've got friends that are like dealing with breakups. I've got uh, WWE going kind of crazy and stuff. Mercury is apparently in retrograde, uh, retrograde, and that means something for people that believe in that stuff. I don't understand any of that crap, but um, 
a further example of just weird things happening and uh, in this little bit of a bubble, we've got the end of the engagement between John Cena and Nikki Bella. They have split up. Love is dead, according to some people, which I find hilarious because it's like you bought into this crap. Love died. The love that made you all believe in love, that's gone now. <laughs> like, I mean, it, it, it's kind of funny to look back and go, huh, Mrs. Wright. <laughs> so my first question to you guys would be, did you buy into any of this relationship at all or do you think that this was all just a pr stunt to begin with i'm not cynical enough to believe that they weren't in a legitimate relationship for six years okay tony (laughs) um let me put it this way i am never shocked when any hollywood couple splits but you see callum tony is cynical (laughs) yeah it's it's tough because you got like you know certain couples in hollywood that they get married and they've been together for 40 years and it's like oh okay they're not all fake but then you get other people and you go you mean to tell me that uh tom cruise doesn't have something weird going on (laughs) (laughs) or john travolta like with the whole scientology thing i'm pretty sure that these marriages are kind of cover-ups a little bit and uh when certain people start dating people just because they've been in a movie with them and then they break up about a year after the movie is done it's really suspect that maybe they didn't just get together because it would be good publicity uh, publicity for the movie and yeah, if you look at that and you apply it to WWE, it's kind of like, well, John Cena and Nikki Bella was a powerful couple, and we did get a WrestleMania moment out of it, and we did get two whole shows that kind of revolved around a good portion of that. I don't I know. Go, I kind of go more on the lines of, like, the these uh, main celebrity couples and stuff like that that only last, like, a year or so after a movie or stuff like that. And kind of be a bit more cynical towards those in terms of their legitimacy. But it's six years, so it's a considerable length of time to just be attached to one person for this. And it's also along the lines of, like, really, Nikki Bella was the one that was benefiting from it. I mean, what was Cena getting out of it, aside from obviously getting to date Nikki Bella, which is obviously a benefit to a lot of people. But... um, she was the one, she would be the one, if there was any benefit to be gained out of it, to, like, enhance her position, as many people claim that she was doing through Cena. That's why I'm a little bit suspicious of it. Because I think that this is kind of a thing where it was good PR for John Cena, and that it helped Nikki Bella, and it was kind of a mutual, just sort of like... But this is this is very cynical of me to say, but yeah. and of course this is totally not uh, in any kind of like I I know some backstage information, but like it would not shock me if we found out that there was an agreement where John Cena could sleep with anybody that he wanted to, and that he and Nikki Bella were kind of like they were a couple, but they weren't exclusive to each other. And he probably did have feelings for her. And, you know, it's probably legitimate, like, to a certain extent and stuff. But I would not be shocked at all to also, if you put John Cena in a lie detector, if those things actually worked, 
if you were to ask him, like, was a portion of this just for good PR and different things like that, or was this 100% that you were totally into her? Would not be a shock at all to find out that Cena was like, yeah, it was a smart career move, you know? And same thing for Nikki Bella. Like, I get the impression that Nikki Bella was more into this than John Cena. And that maybe there might have also been an agreement where she knew that and was like, all right, well, I'll just see what happens. You know? I mean, Cena said on like multiple occasions that after the like end of his first marriage that he didn't want to, or he was at least reluctant to go through the whole thing again. And reports have been circulating. I know it's just rumor and like word of mouth between two sides. Like people were already started taking Team John or Team Nikki sides of things. So mm-hmm. obviously, don't want to wade into that situation. But a lot of people were pointing to the fact that Cena got cold feet about the marriage as it drew closer. And I think and maybe you know what that, that makes a lot of sense too. If it's all legitimate, then yeah, marriage can do that to people. A lot of people when they start doing something like that, they end up breaking up but the whole proposal thing like putting they put so much pressure on the marriage like even before it even started because they weren't they, they never actually got married they were just engaged but they put so much pressure on themselves immediately by having such a public engagement like okay. literally in front of seventy thousand odd people now assuming i'll take the nonsensical side and say that what we saw for the reality shows was about as real as it could get on those types of things and that there was a real relationship and they had this moment that supposedly John didn't even want to do. John was like, yes, I'm considering marriage. No, I do not want to do it in front of 70,000 people at WrestleMania. I want an actual WrestleMania moment with the undertaker and supposedly Vince and Kevin Dunn were like, but this is a great moment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what a, ma- what a moment this could be for you and Nicole. And she just came back, blah, blah, blah. Assuming all of what we see is real. I got to believe that John, who is a guy who's dedicated to his career, probably just said, you know, Nicole, I love you, but. Maybe settling down isn't right for me. I'm, I'm, you know, as cheesy as this sounds, married to my work, married to the life I have right now. And Nicole, who probably wanted more of a full-time family thing, probably said, okay, you know, sucks, but sometimes that happens. You know, people don't always mesh, even if they want to. And a lot of couples, and we were talking about this in one of our chats the other day with uh, Carmella and Big Cass, a lot of couples, when they have problems, they try to mask the problems with some kind of a change. And sometimes that's buying a house. Sometimes that's having a kid, which is the worst out of all of them to do. Sometimes it's getting a dog or a cat or whatever like that. And sometimes it's getting married. And some couples, a lot of them... It's kind of like, let's bitch and bitch and bitch to each other, and I know such and such is going to fix the problem, and then all that does is create another problem, and a good amount of this could just be Nikki Bella wanted to get married, John Cena didn't, 
eventually they decided that it could be a good WrestleMania moment. And John Cena broke down and said, you know what? I'll give it a shot. Did the whole proposal thing. And over the past year, they've been planning it out. And I think that they were supposed to get married in May, right? Yes. And it comes down to a month ago. And John Cena starts saying on, on all these interviews, like, hey, you either work through stuff or you call it quits, but we're working through it. Well, a month ago, they're sitting there picking out flowers or something like that. And uh, he just goes like, I don't want to fucking do this. And she goes, well, we have all this figured out. What the fuck? And they argue and they argue and they argue. And it gets to a point where now it's like, oh, oh we can't get our deposit back unless we go ahead and uh, say yes or no. And John Cena goes, well, then I'm going to have to say no. And then Nikki just says, well, then fuck you. Uh, we need to just end this because I'm sick and tired of it. Like that could definitely be the, the case. And if that happens, then that sucks. Uh, it sucks for Nikki Bella for wasting six years, essentially, and not getting what she wanted out of that. Uh, she got some stuff out of it, but if her end game was marriage and kids, she didn't get it. And it sucks for John Cena if he never wanted that, that he spent six years trying to lead his life into a way that he wasn't comfortable with. And if it's all bullshit and it's all just storyline uh, propaganda type stuff then hey you get what you uh ask for you know what i mean <laughs> it's one of those kind of things yeah i mean definitely unfortunate for both they tried a lot of things i know they tried the whole hey let's live together and again if you believe what you see on the show he made her sign a contract <laughs> to live with him and they tried getting a dog that dog now lives with Bree and Brian, and you know, I think they probably really wanted it, but at the end of the day, their interests just didn't align, and when that happens, it's done, and there's nothing you can do. Mm -hmm. They could I be think, really, really good together, but she wants marriage and kids, and he doesn't. Yeah, I think it's on the same lines that Rob was saying, that Cena is so career-focused, and it's quite clear that whether it's working for WWE or extending his movie career, he's got a lot of stuff that he still wants to do in that regards. Whereas Nikki seems potentially towards the end of her wrestling career. Now he wants to go into a bit more of a, like you said, like marriage, kids, maybe just a bit more of a, a what's say, normal career path. And, well, I mean, uh, it's not like she's not crazy busy herself. They have the clothing line, the wine brand. The you know they have their own reality shows and the content that they produce for their YouTube channel. They're very busy people. I think John was just like, if it if I had to choose today, I'm gonna choose the business, and if Nicole had to choose, she'd choose a family. And I think you know that's where they parted ways. They have a wine business. Yes, it's called. Um, of course, <laughs> Be Bella something. The not birdie fucking wine, wine right? <laughs> no, they love this not, birdie shit. It's not birdie, like their clothing brand. Ugh, I hate that. Um, yeah, it's Bella something. So, Bella so, booze. So, how long do you think it's going to be before Dolph Ziggler cashes in? Oh, <laughs> yeah. well, you know, 
I don't know. Maybe he's already tried. Maybe that's what happened. Maybe John wasn't around, and hey, maybe Ziggler was, and maybe Cena caught them in the act. Who knows? We'll never know. I think uh, this is one of those cases where Nikki Bella might try to go back with Dolph Ziggler, and he'll be like, yeah, uh, <laughs> I don't really want to do that anymore. You know, yeah. Kind of one of those things where it's like you, you want what you can't have. I mean, she tries to like, identify the next John Cena and goes for him instead. So I assume that means she'd end up with Roman Reigns. <laughs> well, this is another question. Do you guys think that, because this happens a lot, and it, it's another cynical thing to say, but it is something that happens. A lot of people in this kind of a scenario, they break up with somebody, and within a year, they're engaged again. Do you think that Nikki Bella finds whoever the next guy is and just throws this upon him as like, I want to get married. I want to have kids. You're the love of my life. We should totally get married. That kind of a thing. It's very possible. I I, I don't want to like completely judge Nikki's character based on that sort of thing. Like it could happen. It has happened to other people beforehand, but I kind of think she might be a little bit smarter about this stuff now. I hope so. And I also, for that matter, I hope that this isn't one of those cases, and it's a certainly a strong possibility, where Brie having her kid is the cause of this. Again, very possible. You know, Birdie's always around. Maybe Nikki was getting baby fever. Yep. And she tried to convince herself she could handle not being a mother because that's what John wanted. And you know, maybe she just couldn't. Yep. And a lot of people do that. I mean, if you look at, for instance, a group of like, say you got a group of people, uh, I don't know, a group of like five girls that were friends since high school and they go through college and they're still friends and they're like super tight and whatever like that. Every single instance of that, that I've ever seen in my life from no matter what region no matter what type of people they are, anything, it always seems like when one of them gets engaged and like one of them gets knocked up or something like that or whatever like that, every single one of the other ones, it, within like a two-year period, they're also engaged in trying to have kids and stuff. It's just like they go into this like circle or it's just kind of like, okay, well, now we're doing the engagement and kid thing. And one of them gets that person's married and that person's married and that person and that person that's last doesn't want to be last. So they just the the person that I'm with. Well, you know what? He's the one for me and we're going to get married and whatever like that. And then it becomes we're going to have a house together and we're going to have kids together and stuff. And if you've got a twin sister and she's got a husband and a kid and you've got a guy that you're dating and he's like, nope, don't want any of that. There's a good chance that she was the spark of this whole thing. And that is a shame if that's the case. Because that's, you know, you can't really take a relationship and manipulate things based off of what other people have that you don't have. But who the fuck knows? <laughs> it's kind of one of those things, too. We, we don't have a fucking clue. Certainly, we don't even know what's happening backstage, let alone what's happening behind closed doors. And for all we know, this could be a situation where Nikki Bella is the wrong one, or... John Cena's the wrong one, or there's no wrong one, or they're both horrible people. <laughs> they could be. In most cases with relationships, 
both sides have major faults. Yep. And that is just that. And the most likely story of this whole thing is probably that there's truth in what we've seen on Total Divas and stuff. John Cena didn't want to get married and got cold feet. Nikki Bella said, I'm sick and tired of it. And let's just break up. That's probably the story here. Now, to circle this back to wrestling itself. I think we're going to say Apollo Crews. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Apollo Crews is the one for Nikki Bella. So Apollo Crews got his name back and Nikki Bella didn't get the last name seen. <laughs> but I, I had mentioned, because this happened before, when John lost to The Rock at WrestleMania and he was also simultaneously getting divorced. They tried to tie that in story-wise and say, John had the worst year of his life. He lost the biggest match ever and he got divorced. I really hope that the next John Cena story that we see isn't John got embarrassed by The Undertaker and then, <laughs> you know, was so embarrassed that he walked out on Nicole and blah, blah, blah. He'll turn. <laughs> <laughs> he comes out on Raw and he's just kind of like... You know, I'm really sick and tired of that half of the crowd saying Cena sucks and fuck uh, Nicole and fuck The Undertaker. And he, he picks up some kid in the front row and gives him an attitude adjustment. <laughs> I don't like kids. I don't ever want kids. Can you imagine him feuding with Brian over the basis that, fuck you, Brian, you're more commitment oriented than me and you ruined my relationship. <laughs> and you stole my dog. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna have a uh what is it? A Winnie on a pole whatever that dog's name is on a pole match. <laughs> uh it's a weird week. <laughs> um let's talk about something else to wrestle with Bruce uh Bruce Pritchard. Oh wait, we can't because oh, it uh no. didn't get fucking uploaded the way that they said that it would. So yeah. Well you know. <laughs> there there's your Bruce Pritchard ism. Now, now, chat me up. <laughs> yeah, Duendo would have you believing that Dave Meltzer said <laughs> that this show would be uploaded and it would be two stars. Your thoughts on that, Bruce? <laughs> oh, I was yeah, going to say that was supposed to be a hot tag, and it can't be. Mm. I was going to say, speaking of uh, Meltzer, I know we're just tracking back to the Bruno Sammartino thing. Um, see, Meltzer tweeted like literally, like must have been less than two hours after the announcement that Bruno had died, the the reports going around that like essentially tweeted the fact that the reports going around that Bruno uh like uh sold out Madison Square Garden nearly two hundred times is completely false. Like, <laughs> like wait until he's in the ground man before you just start like burying his legacy a little bit. <laughs> It's like Bruno San Martino, he was a legend. He sold out uh, around 200 times. No, 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 fuck him. He, he didn't do it that many times. Also, he was an asshole. Also, where's his grave so I can piss on it? <laughs> All right, I love Meltzer, but just because he wants to shit on Bruno because Bruno wasn't, you know, a uh, Jack Briscoe-level athlete, you know, whatever. I, I, don't, I don't think it was a case of, like, wanting to shit on Bruno for, like, lackability or anything like that. It was more of just a case of, like, He's so fact orientated that if any publication puts out anything that isn't what he considers factually accurate, he has to immediately comment on it. No, but he that, doesn't have a filter. That's so oxymoronic because this is a guy who prides himself on a star system that is purely based on opinion. Um, it's pe people, you take that like 
star rating to heart too much. It's just his opinion. People go along with it. I always found, this is just a random aside, but I always found it difficult to give pro wrestling matches a scale of like a five star well, rating. Like it's hard so for me different. to do that. It's it's either you enjoy it or you didn't or you are like, yeah, I liked part of it and not part of it. Like well, it's also, really tough. They're also different in context and stuff. So yeah. like somebody's five star match might be somebody's like one or two star match because they just didn't like the people involved or the context of the match or the stipulation or anything along those lines. So it's it such a subjective a, business, man. Yeah. People, people just put a lot of stock into Melter's one because he was the one that kind of it was such a big name in wrestling journalism that as soon as he put a star rating, people just start to adopt it as their own. Like, yeah, you're you, never you going to see that on Smartcom. You, yeah, you should have your own have your own star rating. That's what my my say. Or like Tony could have like I'm giving this match four mangoes out of five. Or the closest I ever had to that was I used to grade the pay-per-views as a whole on what was called the three count critique where it was like essentially like a good meh bad scale. And even that sometimes I'd be like, well, I don't know if it's really meh or good. It was kind of good meh. So it's sort of like you pretty much just have to say like, did you overall like it? Did you overall dislike it, or was it somewhere in the middle? And it's tougher matches and stuff, but uh, you know what it is. Uh, but let's talk about the final thing that we're going to talk about here: the main event for the hot tags. The superstar shakeup was Monday and Tuesday, and this is one of those events where. I mean, the the theme that we've been going through from the past couple of weeks has been utter chaos. WWE has advertised matches for the greatest Royal Rumble. Well, actually, first off, let's say the greatest Royal Rumble just pops up. They just decide, look, we're going to have co-branded pay-per-views, less pay-per-views. So we're getting rid of payback. We're getting rid of Battleground. We're getting rid of this. We're getting rid of that. So on and so forth. And then they go, yeah, by the way, uh, fuck it. We're going to do this thing in Saudi Arabia, and it's our second Royal Rumble, and it's going to be 50 men, and every title is going to be on the line. And the and show here's is bigger like, than Mania. Like, let's be real. Yeah. Like, let's throw all this kind of stuff. And then they start announcing these random ass matches. John Cena versus Triple H. Okay. Uh, Raw Tag Team Championship is on the line. It's the bar defending the titles against Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy. And, and then they start just pitching this random shit. And it's like, whoa, hold the fuck on. WrestleMania hasn't happened yet. And then WrestleMania happens. And WrestleMania is like, hey, wouldn't it be interesting if we had that undefeated person lose? And if we had Brock Lesnar retain the title? And if we had a 10-year-old win the Raw Tag Team titles? And if we, and then it's like, it was, what? Like, what the fuck's happening here? And we just had Randy Orton win the United States title. Let's just give it to Jinder Mahal. And it's just all this hectic, crazy kind of shit. And then let's give that to Jeff Hardy. And then the night after WrestleMania, they go, hey, let's just get rid of the Raw Tag Team titles. And like whatever. And then it's like, oh my God. And this has been insane. And people turn heel and people come up on the main roster. And then they go, so we got the Authors of Pain and we got No Way Jose and we have like that on top of this. And uh, in a week, we're going to have the Superstar Shake Up. And 
here's a bunch of changes for uh, Greatest Royal Rumble. Also, we're going to start advertising things for Backlash. And then they're like, but the Greatest Royal Rumble hasn't happened yet. And then they're on SmackDown for some reason. SmackDown had this idea where nobody could have their rematch. They had to earn their rematch. And they earned their rematches anyway. So I don't understand really what the point was. And you got these matches like Randy Orton versus uh, Jinder Mahal at Backlash, despite Jinder Mahal not having a champion a challenger for Greatest Royal Rumble, which is going to happen ahead of time. Knowing full well the Superstar Shakeup is coming in a couple of days, and all this stuff is going to be complete bullshit anyway. So I have to change all this other kind of shit. Then we get the Superstar Shakeup, and the Superstar Shakeup is essentially like the hybrid of what the old draft lottery used to be and the picks because they don't have people go up. And I can understand this mentality where you don't want to have the general managers go up and say, for our next pick, we are picking so-and-so because it's kind of boring, but the lottery makes it seem like it's frivolous and it doesn't make any sense. You know, why would it just be like, Matt Hardy is going to the ECW. Like, that's insane. And if you're Taz, then you go, fuck! You know, whatever. <laughs> At least I like when that I, was your go-to. It clearly was. That's my favorite thing that's happened. <laughs> the best things that happened out of that lottery were that, the Jim Ross and JR switch, where they're just so the Jim, mad. The Jim Ross and JR switch, yeah. The Jim Ross and JR switch. <laughs> oh my god, I'm so damn tired. Jerry Lawler and JR. No, it's Colin JR switch. Colin JR, god damn it. <laughs> Take over us tonight. <laughs> oh, I need a break. Um and I hated the lottery thing. It was kind of fun, but it was like it was so stupid. So this is kind of the best of both worlds. We get the surprise element, but we don't have to sit there and watch people go up and say I especially for like Kurt Angle to go up and be like, My next pick is and then pronounce somebody's name wrong or something. Um, uh, but with, uh, we also have a new general manager for SmackDown, Paige. Paige, that, yeah. that, so Paige for one week. Uh, at the beginning of the episode or beginning of the week on Monday Night Raw, she's like, "I'm retired, and I'll see you later." And then 24 hours later, she's like, "Yeah, by the way, I'm on SmackDown, and I'm the general manager." It's like this has been the weeks that we've been having, and in the course of the past seven days, they just go with, "Yeah, she's been making all these trades." And uh, she's been talking to Kurt Angle and they made these trades. So um, this isn't going to be broken down in the order of when they happen. But for anybody that wants to know, I'll be telling you the trades that we got. On Monday Night Raw, we have uh, the very first thing that happens is the United States champion from SmackDown goes over to Raw. It's Jinder Mahal, accompanied by Sunil Singh. Who, by the way, has not been mentioned as being traded. Sunil and Samir Singh are both still uh, listed on the website as SmackDown stars. Yeah, I don't think that's going to last too long. Well, well, the website is ass-backwards, as you were saying, Tony. Yeah, so the very, very, very first thing on this entire Superstar Shake-Up was to put two mid-card titles on Raw, have... A tag team that is like the managers slash valets, whatever you want to call them, of that guy not go over technically. 
So it's already fucked up. <laughs> it's already one of those things. It was already fucked up from the first announcement of Jinder Mahal going to Raw because the reaction of the crowd was like, oh, fuck, we've got to deal with this guy now. Well, then, to make things even more confusing, he decides uh, to bitch and complain and say, I can take out anybody on the roster and whatever like that. And Kurt Angle decides, you're going to have a United States title match right now, and it's going to be up against Jeff Hardy who wins the United States Championship and subsequently gets traded over to SmackDown, which implies, if you're trying to figure out the logic behind this, either Paige willingly gave the United States Championship over to Monday Night Raw without the Intercontinental Championship in exchange, just, I guess we're just going to get rid of this title, and lucked out that Jeff Hardy won the title and brought it over to SmackDown because they had planned this ahead of time that they would draft Matt uh, Jeff Hardy. Well, if or, you really want to be logical with it, Tony, they could say they knew that The Miz was going. They know that you have the ladder match with The Miz in it, and they're banking on The Miz to win the Intercontinental title at the Great well, Pro Rumble. That's another thing. That, that's, that's the fifth step to this. <laughs> Because the first part is Paige gives the United States Championship to them with nothing in return, except Jeff Hardy. Yet, Kurt Angle goes, hey, I know that I'm getting rid of Jeff Hardy tomorrow night. He's the one I pick to fight Jinder Mahal for the title. Technically. Maybe there's an agreement of like, I'll give you the United States Championship if you give Jeff Hardy a chance to win it. Well, it was was technically... Kurt Angle didn't give Jeff Hardy the opportunity. He said on the Raw, the, the first person that comes down gets to take on Jinder Mahal, and Jeff Hardy was just happened to be the person that got to the got to the ring first. To True, him. but he also could just go, yeah, fuck you, pal. You're yeah. going to SmackDown tomorrow night. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know I'm what I mean? Fo- like, I'm more focused on the lines of things of like, Kurt Angle's got the United States champion, and then he immediately makes him defend his championship. He's like, you wanted this guy. You wanted this guy probably partially because he's the United States champion. And you immediately want him to put him in a position where he could lose the championship. Especially to somebody that you know that you traded. Yeah. So, like, why the fuck did you want this guy? I'm almost of this opinion that Jinder Mahal is like somebody who on SmackDown is a main event guy and on Raw is a jobber. Right. And, like, whatever show he goes to, if he's traded to Raw, he becomes a jobber. But then he'll be trading back to SmackDown probably next year or whatever, and then he'll immediately win the World Championship again. <laughs> <laughs> well, then, if we're just talking the mid-card titles here, and we're ignoring everything else, we've got that that switches over the greatest Royal Rumble talk and the Backlash talk, because now Backlash is Randy Orton in his rematch against Jinder Mahal for the United States Championship, yet Jinder Mahal's on the opposite show and doesn't hold the United States title. and they get Jeff Hardy versus Jinder Mahal at the Greatest Royal Rumble, which in in a certain way would imply Jinder Mahal wins the title back and then still has a co-branded event match against Randy Orton and Randy Orton wins the title again and whatever like that. It's It's an, an insane kind of process. But then there's also the chance that the United States Championship stays on Raw and the Intercontinental Championship goes over. So we're waiting throughout the whole night, thinking maybe Seth Rollins goes over, and he doesn't. Uh, he doesn't go over to SmackDown. 
but Jeff Hardy does. <laughs> so then the United States title is back on SmackDown. Yet, with the greatest Royal Rumble coming up, both the Intercontinental Championship and the United States Championship are on the line with people that are on opposite brands. So there is a chance that the Intercontinental Championship throughout all of this goes back over to SmackDown because either The Miz or Samoa Joe wins the Intercontinental title, which would then imply that by default, Jinder Mahal has to win the championship from uh, Jeff Hardy to take that back to Monday Night Raw, which then changes the Randy Orton match because right now it's Randy Orton versus Jinder Mahal, but it could be Randy Orton versus Jeff Hardy. But if that happens, then Randy Orton doesn't get a United States championship match unless it's a co-branded event. <laughs> Meanwhile, if Samoa Joe were to win the Intercontinental Championship at the Greatest Royal Rumble, he were to fight the Monday Night Raw superstar, Roman Reigns, with the Intercontinental Championship on the line, potentially with the Universal Championship on the line because he is fighting Brock Lesnar at Backlash. <laughs> This is one thing. This is one move created this. Jinder Mahal with the United States title going over to Monday Night Raw. One move. The very, very first move had all of this mid-card title insanity plus what's going on with the Singh brothers. <laughs> to, to be fair, I think that was the the one move that really had that level of repercussions attached to it. Obviously, it the other did. ones do have a certain amount, but like that was the one that was the big one because that's like a championship moving from one brand to the other. There's other ones that have crazy elements to them too, though. That's the thing. And it, when you look at this superstar shakeup, we'll we'll break down different moves, and we're we're gonna talk a lot about some different potential feuds and different things like that. But my one giveaway uh, takeaway for this was just somebody had a script. They deleted the word file they tried to rewrite it based off of memory then somebody else threw it into a paper shredder somebody else tried to tape it back together and then somebody else took a dump on it and said fuck you <laughs> it's just like the the insanity of this I, I, is I, mind-boggling i just i don't understand why you're so surprised this is bog-standard vincent man booking it really is, and this, that is crazy. This is just like, throw shit against the wall, pick up the shit that you've thrown against the wall, throw it against the wall again, pick it up one more time, throw it on the floor, try and like decipher the shit that you've thrown on the floor, and then go, go and then, oh my shit, I've been throwing shit against the wall this entire time, I need to write a wrestling show, Christ. And then, and then two months from now, when you go, oh, we didn't really think about that, what do we do? And then you go, I don't know, fucking trade this person or something like I tried to explain to people that don't follow wrestling uh, the week before WrestleMania. Uh, they were going like, wow, you seem like you're really busy. And I'm like, yeah, I'm writing up a lot of posts and I'm doing a lot of coverage. It's, you know, we're heading into the busiest week of the year for wrestling. And then, you know, um, the Monday Night Raw and the Tuesday Night Smackdown after WrestleMania are two big shows. And then I'll have a break. <laughs> you wish. <laughs> And it's been Tony Buddy's the, gonna have a break. The most chaotic month that I ever remember WWE having. And it's not over. <laughs> it's, not, not, it's not close to being <laughs> We have the superstar shakeup is carrying off into a Friday afternoon 
Saudi Arabia, 50-man Royal Rumble, Rusev and Undertaker casket match, Jericho casket match, Undertaker casket match, whatever fucking event. And then that follows it up with Backlash. And then, essentially, it's going to be May 10th by the time something gets back to normal. (laughs) But then you know after all this craziness, you're going to get that mid-year slump of just paint-by-numbers vanilla nonsense until... That's what I'm worried about. That it's going to be chaos, 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 and then they're going to burn themselves out so much that the pretty much the night after Backlash, the creative team is going to go, we need a fucking month off. And uh, when does um, Extreme Rules, I think it's the next one after that? Yeah, yeah sometime, sometime in June, I assume. So that's, yeah, like June like 17th or something like that. So we're going to have like a month to build towards that. And I got to imagine that they're going to be like, can we just not work? <laughs> that's going to be brutal. Uh, um, yeah, that's going to be bland ass tag match main events. Yep, six man tags all over the place. and Women's gauntlet matches and stuff like that, like Fatal Five ways all over the place. And- yep. Yeah, she- um, but hey, uh, there is some potential in a superstar shakeup, and let's try to put aside some of the chaos. Even though there's some elements that we're going to be like, and but if, but if, uh, uh <laughs> kind of a thing, because there is still some notes that I want to get to. Um, but to break down a couple of these things, we get new people on the Monday Night Raw side: uh, Baron Corbin, Bobby Roode, Chad Gable. Dolph Ziggler, Drew McIntyre, Jinder Mahal, as I mentioned before, Kevin Owens, Mike Kanellis, Mojo Rawley, Sami Zayn, Zack Ryder, Brizongo, The Ascension. I'm assuming the Singh Brothers, even though that's not like official in any capacity. Natalia and the Riot Squad. Uh, on the SmackDown side of things, we get uh Asuka, Absolution, Zelina Vega with Andrade Cian Almas. Yes, I put Zelina Vega first. Why did you do that, Tony? Was that just for like Jordan and Gabby? What was it for? <laughs> sure. Uh Sanity, but not all of Sanity. We'll get to that in a minute. The Bar, The Good Brothers, The Miz, R Truth, Jeff Hardy with the United States title, Samoa Joe, and Big Cass. Um. Uh, let's. Um, I don't even know where to start here. Let's just um, jump right into it. You didn't. You didn't plan ahead of this, did you? Well, let's. You know what? Actually, let's keep this a little bit simpler. Um, I I know where, how we'll, we'll do this. Well, this is gonna sound demeaning, but it's not supposed to be. Uh, the women's division. There's less people to work with. That's why we're going with them. The very first question I want to bring up to you guys: Sanity goes over to SmackDown without Nikki Cross. I'm devastated. Yeah, me too. Nikki Cross was sanity. Like, I wouldn't sanity, go that far. But... Well, I'd say like she's she encapsulates the character of sanity more than any other member of the group. She was the like it's meant to be a group that signifies anarchy and chaos, and she was the only one that really consistently demonstrated anarchy and chaos in every aspect of her character. I think she was, while I'm 
obviously looking forward to Sanity as a group coming on. I think Nikki Cross could have been a huge shot into the arm of the women's division on SmackDown. Mm-hmm. She's clearly ready. She was having great matches in NXT. Her character is completely down. It would have been interesting to have a, a faction which was both men and women because they seem to be so hell-bent on separating the two genders on the main show. Because there doesn't seem to be much association except for the Mixed Match Challenge, but that was kind of outside WWE's real canon. Uh, but I'm just... Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm disappointed that Nikki Cross isn't going out there. I'm sure she's been kept around because Shayna Baszler doesn't have many legitimate mm-hmm. contenders in NXT. So I she, think that that's the main reason why. So hopefully it will just be like down the line, maybe at SummerSlam she gets called up and does join uh, with Sanity or goes on her own path. I'm sure she'll do fine on her own, but I'd rather she like stick with Sanity. But I, I think she'll probably just get the next title shot and then maybe come up after that. But I don't like when they do that because this is a package deal. It's like when they split up Enzo and Cass and left Carmella in NXT. Granted, surprisingly, Carmella ended up doing the most so far. There's still a package deal. You've ingratiated it into the fans' mind that they are together. Why are you leaving Nikki Cross back in NXT, especially if it's just to get crapped on by Shayna Baszler, when everybody she's feuded with is already up on the main roster? Well, I think that this is twofold. I think that Shayna Baszler is a major component to this, because if you look at the roster on NXT right now, the baby faces that we have are Aaliyah, who is the jobber. She'll never be taken seriously unless they give her a major push for months. Um, Candice LeRae, who is brand new to uh, the NXT roster. Dakota Kai, who has, I guess, kind of like the reputation of like a mid-carder, kind of. She hasn't really gotten any big wins, but she hasn't really taken a bunch of big losses or anything like Aaliyah. So she's higher up than Aaliyah, um, but she's not on the same level as Kyrie Sane. And then Nikki Cross, and that's it. And the live event crew, like Ray Ripley and all them, they're not being brought up yet, so they're out of the the running for that. So if you only have Aaliyah, Candice, Dakota, Kyrie, and Nikki, you kind of need Nikki. Um, at the very least, just to be another person to lose to Shayna, because if Shayna, for instance, we've got TakeOver Chicago, TakeOver Brooklyn, and TakeOver Los Angeles. Those are the three that are planned for the rest of the year, as far as I can remember. Yep. So you need an opponent for, I'm assuming Shayna Baszler retains this title and doesn't just like drop it at the next event. If she needs three opponents, the Mae Young Classic might bring somebody in because we don't know when that's going to happen yet. But since we don't know when that's going to happen, Aaliyah's not going to be an opponent. She's going to be jobbed out to her if she wrestles on TV. And Dakota Kai could be in the same capacity for that. Candice LeRae's not ready for it. She could be the one that beats Shayna Baszler. And if that happens, that happens in Los Angeles or Brooklyn. Kyrie Singh could be the one that beats Shayna. That happens in Brooklyn or Los Angeles. Somebody needs to lose to Chicago. And it's either Dakota Kai, where nobody would believe that she would beat her, or it's Nikki Cross. And the second fold thing, I think, though, if you look at SmackDown, if you had Sanity with Nikki Cross in it, 
there might not be room for Nikki to grow as a solid heel on SmackDown when you've got some other people in the mix, like Carmella and the Iconics and Absolution and Zelina Vega. They might push Zelina Vega in the women's division. Plus, I still think Asuka's going to turn heel at some point. And you got to work in Lana. Maybe she could turn babyface. Uh, Tamina eventually is going to come back, but she's not really all that like much of a factor. Nikki Cross could come up later, and they also don't run into the problem where if you were going to have the three men and Nikki Cross, who do you have fight them? Do you really want to have a lot of matches where it's, say, say Nikki is feuding with uh, uh, Becky? Does anybody really want to see Becky team up with The New Day against Sanity and Nikki Cross? Yeah. Five times in a row? No, five times in a row. Not five times, but I'll watch it once and enjoy it. One time, yeah, but you know SmackDown. But I don't even think... In NXT, Look what happened with the. Uh, did any uh, mixed tag? Yeah, then did that, like, matches. Like, they did once or twice. Well, Remember, or twice. they did those the Ruby Riot matches over and over again. That was like we once had, or twice. I think we had two events in a row where it was three people against Sanity, and then one of them was uh, four on four, and then we had like a couple on like television episodes and stuff. And that's NXT. NXT has a better grasp of that. SmackDown, look what they did with the Riot Squad. How many matches did we have of the Riot Squad versus Becky Lynch, Naomi, and Charlotte? You know that that would end up being the New Day and Charlotte, or the New Day and Becky, or the New Day and Naomi against Sanity over and over and over again. Yeah, but I'd just like point to the fact that like, well, okay, so we just don't bring up Nikki Cross, but now we're just going to get the sanity, but sanity versus the New Day over and over and over again in different forms. For Probably, three or four months. <laughs> yeah, so it doesn't really change too much either way, except for the fact that we'd occasionally have Nikki Cross and Becky Lynch getting involved as well, and people like that, or Naomi. I'm looking at this on the brighter side of saying, I think it'll be better for SmackDown in the long run without Nikki right now. And I think that NXT needs her. So I know that that's a controversial thing. I know that a lot of people are really upset about it. And I can totally understand it. And I do think that there's a chance that that sucks. But it's not the move that I'm the most upset about. Or anything. Like We'll get to that stuff. Yeah. I mean, there's plenty of other things. <laughs> do you think there's a chance that they never put Nikki with Sanity? And they just let her do her own thing? Yeah. Not with the character that she has at the moment. Like, she'd have to have a character change, and that's really detrimental. To she her. could go on Raw and get thrown in the lake, in the lake, and you know it. There's also a chance that they do something where they're like, I present to you the new vessel of Sister, Sister Abigail, Abigail, Nikki Cross. Oh, like, they could do shit like that. Or they could repackage her. She could come out being As all n- bubbly and, you know. Yeah, we're introducing the makeover of Nikki Lena. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh that's something that's interesting um we switched off the riot squad and absolution not a fan i believe absolution both said that we want absolution away from page because we don't want any storyline where a general manager is trying to be manipulated for favor by talent yeah and they need to stop using her theme for real (laughs) yeah that is really bad 
why are they still using pages for this? And I'm also just disappointed that the Riot Squad's still a thing, because I hate that unit. Yeah, I was hoping that just one or maybe two of them would move over to Raw instead. Mm-hmm. I was really hoping that they would have split them up. Because I've just gone to the point of, like, like if you're going to keep them together, can you please just, in, in one promo or segment or whatever, just explain why they're together? Right. What their, what their similarities are. What's the common bond? Why? Or just to explain why are Liv Morgan and Sarah Logan allowing the Riot name to be used as the... <laughs> when, or when why... the band leader? <laughs> Why three baby phases turned heel and started attacking people to begin with at the same time? Mm. Anything. Like, explain anything. <laughs> you know? Explain Sarah Logan's accent. It's, uh, what is she rich from? Kentucky? That's, that's that? not a good enough explanation. Well, that I mean, stupid it... SNL thing I always think of. Uh, you can feed Bobcat all the chili he want, you want. Doesn't mean he's going to crap out diamonds. <laughs> Every time she talks, it's all I think of. You know, she was apparently the one that um, back in the Ryback and Kane feud where uh, Kane was working the concession stand. She was his boss. Oh, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Sarah Logan was the one saying, like, you got to make sure that you give people the hot dogs and stuff. Well, it's random it's little only, trivia. It's only famous characters it's like, um, like Ty Dillinger being Stan. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I just kicked Stan. <laughs> that's a great moment. I love yeah. that. Um, also in the process of this, Natalia maybe turned babyface? She did turn babyface somehow, and like Ronda Rousey's been on Raw more than Brock Lesnar. And yeah. Yeah. This, Go figure. This, that move is probably the best. I mean, I'm not saying like it'll be quality-wise the best, but in terms of how it's going to elevate a superstar, Natalia's going to get a pay-per-view match out of Ronda Rousey in this situation, so she is looking at a big upturn in her fortunes. Well, you guys looking at this the same that I'm looking at it, where if she's a babyface now, the whole point of her turning babyface is so that she could turn heel. Yep. yep. That's always been her use, is the fact that yeah. she'll turn babyface to team with Ronda on a few like live events and maybe a pay-per-view here and there or something like that, and she'll be training with her behind the scenes to get her ready for a, like, a big match with an actual wrestler. And I then think they're just her- going to fight the Riot Squad. Well, they will for a little while, but then they'll have the, um, mm. then they'll have the turn of Natalia on Ronda Rousey, and then they'll be, they'll probably be like the SummerSlam match or something. It'll be the whole like, I'm sick of you stealing the spotlight. I'm a heart. I'm yeah. better than this. I'm and the blah, best. Blah, blah, blah. Is, the best there was. The best there ever will be. My family is royalty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and in and... the, to say like in the meantime, she would have been training pretty constantly with Ronda Rousey to get her prepared to like speed up her process to make sure because even though we all agreed that the match at WrestleMania was a like tremendous success she still needs to go one-on-one with like a real wrestler at some point yeah she can't have the crutch of having other people yeah especially when one of those people is Triple H mm. yeah so that's I, I think it's a smart move you know um, I think she kind of took the spot of Naomi that I was assuming that was going to happen because I, I thought that a babyface would move over like that, and I just didn't assume that they would go with, let's move Natalia over and turn her babyface and team her up with Ronda, and that that's the type of variable that it's really hard to understand. Um, but then we have Asuka moving over to SmackDown, which is... Makes perfect sense to me. It makes perfect sense, but it also makes it seem like, why didn't you give her the title? 
but I guess you didn't want her to get cashed in by Carmella. And now we're in a situation where Carmella's the champion, and there are these three really, like, well, four if you count Naomi as well, four strong babyface contenders that realistically in any one-on-one scenario should beat Carmella quite comfortably. So it'd be, it'd be quite interesting to see how long Carmella can actually hold on to the championship for. Well, I think that was the initial position of Alexa Bliss, right? Where True. It's like, oh, she's tiny and anyone can beat her and she's not that good of a wrestler. And then she held the title for, I don't know how long, but it was a while before Nia beat She's her. basically held it for two years, considering she's had four title reigns. But, but they've like, never... for the most part, she's been champion. Yeah. But they've never really... Yeah, but I'm going along the lines of, even though that would be what you present Alexa in face value, they've never positioned Alexa as weaker than the likes of Sasha Banks or Bailey or people on that sort of level. Obviously weaker than Asuka and Nia Jax, but they were pushing them really hard. Yeah. But Carmella they've always positioned as weaker than the other people yeah. on the roster. I mean she was the first person eliminated from the women's battle royal. Yeah, and she does the whole like uh when Asuka was getting ready to kick her, like she crawled up into a ball, like Yeah, she's always kind of she's always been a cowardly heel. Which is good. We need some chicken shit heels in the middle of this. We're all women who can really fight hard, so we need someone who's going to balance that out a little bit. It would just be quite interesting to see, like, out of those four, like, big babyface names, which one of them is the one that stands out to take the title eventually from her. Well, I did a little spreadsheet, and I went through, and I tried to balance things out the way that I can see it, between different parts of the rosters, like the tag teams against each other on Raw and SmackDown, the babyfaces and the heels, that kind of a thing. And on SmackDown right now, heel-wise, we've got the two Iconics, the two Absolution members, Carmella, Lana, Tamina, and Zelina Vega. Which, Zelina, maybe she doesn't wrestle, maybe she does, that's sort of up in the air, and, you know, it's kind of questionable. Uh, On the babyface side of things, we've got Asuka, Becky, Charlotte, and Naomi. So, as I said, four strong baby faces at the top of that and we also have nikki bella technically and we could also potentially have brie bella um daniel bryan is on smackdown and if brie bella makes her return you're for damn sure getting the bella twins versus absolution that's happening and the bella twins versus the iconics that's for sure happening as well so you can kind of pencil in brie bella and the idea that like Nikki and Brie aren't really necessarily there, but you've got Asuka, Becky, Charlotte, and Naomi that are going to hold down the fort. And in the meantime, people like Tamina, Zelina, even Lana, Lana could potentially turn babyface at some point if they decide to fucking turn Rusev face, which is, I don't know why they haven't done it yet, but Carmella will be the chicken shit. Uh, The Iconics will be the duo that kind of play like the mean girls. Absolution will be... Yeah, just absolution. <laughs> and um Tamina eventually will come in and she'll be like the jobber to the stars. Delina could be something interesting. And we could also do something like maybe Asuka turns heel or something. I think that SmackDown's got a pretty strong women's division overall. Yeah, I will say from what I saw last night, their segment was the best that I saw. Mm-hmm. A lot of yeah, strong for character development there. You know, they have a lot um, of storyline potential going forward, so it's looking good for them. Raw 
Uh, I'm not liking Raw as much. I think. Yeah. The, I think the Natalia movie smart. The one like overall out of all the movies, I think it's the smartest one. Yeah. And they did bring up Ember Moon, so that's a little bit of some fresh uh, talent in there. And Ronda Rousey is fresh, and we could get a Bailey or a Sasha Banks heel turn. But if you go with the babyface and heel dynamic, we the babyfaces right now are Bailey, Dana Brooke, Ember Moon, Natalia, Nia Jax, Ronda Rousey, and Sasha Banks. Too much to handle. And the heel side is Alexa Bliss. The Riot Squad, Mickey James, and Alicia Fox. They need another heel. Yeah. So we need Bailey, Natalia, Ember, or Sasha to turn heel. Well, I definitely yeah. see Sasha and Natalia turning heel relatively soon. Um Yeah, I'm not liking Raw's women's division at all right now. Just feel very on, fresh. And like look at what they have as the top angle. You know, it's Nia Jax, who was brought in as this dominant force, now kind of playing the role of the gentle giant social justice warrior person. And I'm not like, I'm sure it's a great angle and somebody somewhere is probably inspired by it. But for me, it just seems so like boring. You know, I don't necessarily want to see that from the women's division. I don't know if I'm the only one that feels that way. I'm, I'm, yeah, I don't really care. I'm, it's like <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of the feud. I'm kind of like I'm, it's it's going on lines of like the sheep star shake up is supposed to shake things up, and in certain places it has. But the raw side of things, you still have the Bailey's. The, the two big feuds still seem to be the Nia Jax Alexa Bliss and the Bailey Sasha Banks thing, and those sort of things feel like they should have been resolved. Like, through the shake up, really. I mean, well, either either through the shake up or like. At WrestleMania, at WrestleMania. Or, or the week after WrestleMania, and they feel like they've been dragging on too much. Anyone and else? And I'm getting a that feeling they that they're move, not even. Yeah, uh, that they didn't move uh, Bailey and Sasha. No, I'm not shocked. I think, I think it's been too much on one side at that point. I think Becky and Charlotte have a stronger connection, and they probably would have wanted to stay together too. Yeah, and I'm not going to be shocked at all if this is still going past backlash either. No, probably not. But we need some changes, that's for sure. Monday Night Raw needs at least one more heel turn. And I don't know when that's going to happen. It could happen at Backlash. You know, Bailey uh, Bailey could turn heel, and that'd be kind of interesting or something. But I mean, one of them needs to kind of turn heel, because who's going to be the next challenger for Nia Jax after Alexa Bliss? Yep. It's either Mickey James, or it's... I, I don't know. You can't really put Ruby Riot straight into that. Or maybe they do. They could. Ruby Riot could be uh, the sacrificial lamb. And then by that time, they've built up either Bailey or Sasha. And then they take the title off of her. And then they drop it to Ronda. No, I think if it comes to Ronda, I think Naya might eventually turn heel. Just to that could happen too. drop it to Ronda. Yeah, they could just have it be like dominant babyface becomes a little bit too cocky and then she fights. Or, you know what? They could just do babyface, babyface. Like, we've had instances like that before. John Cena dropped the title to Daniel Bryan, who immediately dropped it afterward. But, you know, <laughs> um, there's a, some potential, but they need to switch a couple things up. 
right now, I think SmackDown's got the stronger women's division. And between those two shows, I'm more interested in watching that one. But then we start getting into the other things. And the men's division, it's a little bit harder to discern. Um, Monday Night Raw has an extra hour. So they were going to get more people. It's just a necessity. But there was, there's no talk at all about this cruiserweight division. They have not popped up on Monday Night Raw in a while. I think they're really moving forward with 205 Live being its own brand. I think so. Yeah, I think, yeah, Cruiserweights on Raw is pretty much a dead concept now. Now, I'm concerned about this uh, to a certain extent, and I want to kind of get your guys' opinion about this. There's still a lot of talk that WWE might go to Fox. And if they go to Fox, they won't have three hours for Monday Night Raw. Mm -hmm. What do you think about the idea that maybe they took the cruiserweights off of there because they know that they're going to be going to there and they're going to stack Monday Night Raw's roster because I think that their contract ends in September. I think it's September 30th or so. If in October they go over to uh, Fox and they bring a two-hour Monday Night Raw, they're going to want a lot of people on there. And they're also going to want the ability to move some people over to SmackDown if they want to after that. Well, when does that have to be announced? Uh, I would assume probably sometime around like maybe mid-September. They probably wouldn't have to announce too much uh, as far as like an official capacity. I don't know. Maybe like a couple months at a time or something. Yeah, we'd probably... Even if they didn't announce it, we'd know by that point in time they were moving to Fox. Right. But I think that sounds about right, that they want to get the Cruiserweights off the show because essentially the Cruiserweights are... Whether they've been approving on 205 Live or not, they're a detriment to the ratings in general. And they want to be stacking it actually with people that might be interesting to see. Like, it, it feels bad to say that about Cruiserweights because, again, they have been improving on 205 Live, but that's mainly because they've been focusing on 205 Live and they haven't been appearing in random matches on Raw that don't really have any context in terms of the actual storyline that's going on in 205 Live. And it always made sense to me that, like, if they tape 205 Live on the same night as SmackDown, like, I don't know, it seems kind of weird that they're a part of Monday Night Raw. <laughs> I don't know. Just one of those things. Yeah, yeah, I think it's fine that they're on their own now. I think they've gotten as much of the advertising as they'd need to on Raw to get people, if they're interested in watching 205 Live, to go to 205 Live. I don't think putting them on Raw now is actually going to attract any more attention than they already get. No, because they had had a year where they were on Monday Night Raw, more than a year, and there's still people that are like, who's Mustafa Ali? It's like, well, he wrestled on Raw. Oh, I didn't watch it. It was a Cruiserweight match. All right, well, if you went and took a shit at that time, then you're not going to watch 205 Live by now, you know? Mm -hmm. But Raw is pretty stacked, as it is, with a lot of those different people. And I'm going to focus on the tag teams right now, because keep it simpler. We've got the Authors of Pain. Um, They are clearly going to run roughshod. The Revival, that are not going to be able to catch a fucking break. I was so upset they didn't go to SmackDown. Me too, too. man. I really thought that that would be so much more beneficial than the bar moving over. Could you imagine that we never really got to see like the Revival New Day feud or Revival versus the Usos would be amazing as well. 
Mm-hmm. Um, Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel may still be a team, but they're no longer the Miz Taraj because the Miz moved over and they turned their back on the Miz. So maybe they stick together. Maybe they split. If they that, split, they're jobbers. I mean, they're dead in the water. I think otherwise. So yeah, that'll put. I'm imagining they're probably just going to be a jobber tag team. We also have potentially the Singh brothers when Samir comes back. Sunil is probably just going to be hanging around with General uh, Hall as a manager and not doing anything like that, but he could wrestle and, you know, that's, that's potential at the very least, especially if they decide to actually move them over to Monday Night Raw and they haven't done that on the website yet. We have on the babyface side of things, Bray Wyatt and Matt Hardy. Our future Raw Tag Team Champions. They called them the Deleter of Worlds, by the way. On Yeah, I like Raw. that. That's kind of cute. Yeah. I like it. Surely um, it should be the Deleters of Worlds. It sounds yeah, like the Deleters makes more sense. <laughs> uh, we have Heath Slater and Rhino, which just still fucking keep teaming up. I really needed to split these two up. Um, Brizongo and the Ascension. And we still have Titus Worldwide. So, it's weird. We've got, well, this is on the SmackDown side of things, but they moved the bar over. The bar is fighting for the Raw Tag Team titles. Obviously, the bar does not win the Raw Tag Team titles, because you can't bring the Raw Tag Team titles over to SmackDown. The way that that would happen would be, you'd have to switch the, the SmackDown Tag Team titles over, or it would just be utter nonsense to have the raw titles on smackdown and no tag titles on raw like i think with in an in an age in an age where we're heading towards co-branded pay-per-views every month it's not completely out of the question that a smackdown team holds the raw tag team championships i think that would be one of the stupidest moves that they could make i'm i'm not convinced they won't do it though I'm convinced. I, I, I mean, I'm. I'm not saying that I'm predicting that Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt don't win the titles at in uh, Saudi Arabia. But I imagine if the bar was to win that, they'd lose it at the next pay per view to like the Authors of Pain or something. It could be some kind of a scenario like that. Like they could just kind of play around with it and say, "Look, the Raw Tag Team Championship is technically still a part of the Monday Night Raw brand, so." At Backlash, Kurt Angle has decided that you need to defend the titles against whatever, and I would fucking hate it so much, because then it would mean we had the titles on the bar, and they dropped them to Nicholas and Braun Strowman just so they could win them back, just so they could drop them again. And it would be like, can you just give the fucking tag titles to whoever's going to have them? You know, like, I hate quick title changes. It bugs the hell out of me. But it seems like it's Bray Wyatt and Matt Hardy, you Mm -hmm. know? Yeah. Right now, they're by default the top babyface tag team, and they haven't even really wrestled with each other. There really isn't all that much to support them. The Ascension are a joke. Brizongo, yeah, I was hoping they would stay separate from Brizongo, just because maybe they could salvage them, and they they have no desire to do so, clearly. No, the Ascension is going to be sacrificed to Authors of Pain, for sure. They're just going to be... Look, they used to be the tag team. The Authors of Pain are... The end of it. Uh, Brizongo, they're a joke tag team, but there's some potential that maybe they give them a push. You know, they are popular enough that maybe they give them a little bit. 
and there is a chance that maybe they start pushing Titus worldwide. But I can't imagine it really counting all that much. Well, and really, he's Slater and Rhino. Like, they're not going to do shit. Well, well, I think. What about Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn? Well, that's. Uh, put a pin in that because I want to bring that up for another thing. As far as the the tag teams go with the the assured baby faces, Bray Wyatt and Matt Hardy, and then kind of blah, right? Are the, are the best of a very bad bunch. Yeah. Yeah. Um. The heel side, we've got the Authors of Pain and the Revival, clearly at the top. The Revival being secondary. Then we got the job retired. The Revival is way down. Yeah, they're way past Authors of Pain in comparison. But they're still far above Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel, and they still would be above the Singh Brothers. But we've got this weird element here where Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn could be a tag team. Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre seem like they're a tag team. And Jason Jordan is on the same brand as Chad Gable again. And Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns are all still together. And I'll say, even though this might just potentially be another Miztourage scenario, but if they get bored, they can always throw Hawkins and Ryder together. They could throw Hawkins Ryder together. They could re-team up Mojo Rawley and Zack Ryder. They could even do the major hype bros. Please. Kurt Hawkins, Mojo Rawley, and Zack Ryder and have a stable. The, there is some stuff that they can play around with here. Uh, Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre, at the very least, they seem like they're a tag team. For some reason. I have no fucking idea why. But that's interesting. Drew McIntyre not only gets called up to the main roster, but he turns heel in the process and joins Dolph Ziggler in a tag team. That's well, a lot of moves. Well, Drew McIntyre was injured before he came up, so he needed to bring his crutch along with him. So. <laughs> you know what, Callum? You, you tweeted that, and I saw that, and this, this is great. I love this move. Go ahead and crap on it all you want. I love this move. It's like they took the two guys that were supposed to be the biggest thing in 2009 and they put them together. And I swear, if they don't do anything with these two this time, then I quit. I quit supporting Dolph Ziggler after this. If this is just a catalyst for Vince to be bored one day and put 3MB together because they're on the same show. Oh, well, then I just, I oh, just shit. don't want to watch. They are. <laughs> wow. I didn't notice that one either. Holy shit. 3MB. I. I this guy obviously quite hard for some people to believe. I'd have no problem with Dolph Ziggler being on Raw, and I have no problem with him teaming up with Drew McIntyre. On the proviso that this has to be some, if only one of these two has to be elevated for it, it has to be Drew McIntyre. It has to be. Drew McIntyre is the big is the person that could be a world champion or at least at the Intercontinental Championship level, whereas Dolph obviously can hold those sort of titles, but like he's been here for so long that he doesn't need them anymore, and frankly, Ziggler is at the at the level where he is essentially elevation talent for NXT guys. But in this case, instead of getting beaten by them, he's teaming with the person instead. Well, they were, like I said, they're the same generation of guys. They're the same. Uh, they were in the same boat. Whereas Drew just did the smart thing and left <laughs> instead of staying. And, you know, just holding out hope that the company would use him. 
But I like this, and I like the idea of Ziggler in a tag team because he kind of has a lot of similarities to Billy Gunn, and he can go in the ring, and Drew is good on the mic. He's not as good as The Miz is, who I would pair Ziggler up with if they weren't going to do something phenomenal with Miz. But I like the idea. I hope this tag team sticks around as a pair. They could even be the kind of team that almost like the shield they break apart come together when they need you know a tag team they can do intercontinental things drew can be a credible universal champion opponent if we ever get a full-time universal champion in the next year so i'm excited for this pairing more than almost anything else on the raw brand well, this the weird thing about Monday Night Raw's tag team division is a lot of it depends on if, like, if Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel stay together, if Ziggler and McIntyre are a legit tag team, or if this was just a statement, if the Shield reunite, if Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn stick together, if the Singh brothers are staying around, if uh, Hawkins and Ryder, if. Chad Gable and Jason Jordan team back up. We could get American Alpha again. And if American Alpha joins together again, are they going to be baby faces? Are they going to be heels? Chad Gable in his trade interview said he's going to focus on a singles division, but they don't have room for Chad Gable right now. The singles division right now is really split up. You've got a lot of people that are in that upper mid card main event type of range. And then you got some people that are true mid-carders. Um, you can kind of count Big Show in the mix as just sort of being like a guy that doesn't really exist. Uh, where's Kane? He's, He's not going to be the mayor. He's not going to be Kane? the greatest Royal Rumble, I'll tell you that. Is Kane on Monday Night Raw? He is going to be at the greatest Royal Rumble. No, he was pulled from the 50-man Rumble. Oh, really? Yeah, he he was pulled from that, but... As far as the roster goes, Kane doesn't have a roster right now, does he? He's he's no. he, his last matches were on Raw, so he's technically part of that brand. Huh. Well, he is sort of just like not really there. Big Show is making his return at the Greatest Royal Rumble, and he's technically a part of Raw, but he might not stick around for a while, so he you can't really necessarily count him. And Goldust is the type of guy that he's just there when they need somebody to beat him and stuff, and that's fine. Um, but you got Chad Gable, uh. A jobber in Kurt Hawkins. I'm assuming a jobber in Mike Kanellis. Mm-hmm. I really can't imagine them pushing him su- like super far. No. At the very least, he's on the same level as a Chad Gable solo would be. Mojo Rawley, pretty much the same level. No Way Jose, pretty much the same level. And slightly above them, Jason Jordan. Well, hang on, Tony. You were the one who brought this up. They could very easily decide to have Mojo Rawley be the Jinder Mahal of this shakeup and push him to the moon. You just never know what this company wants to do. He's the one. I'm with... thinking that's Baron Corbin. Yeah, I'm... yeah, I really. It's one of those so. two. It's one of those two. I mean, uh, Baron Corbin is like running out of lives. I think in terms of his pushes, he's got. This is the latest in a long list of opportunities he's had to, and. I'm not saying it's entirely his fault. They have been very stop start with him in terms of his pushes, but he needs to find a way to connect with people a little more. I know Rob, you're 
a fan of his and I'm not saying I'm not a fan of some of his work and stuff like that but I think on a large scale he just doesn't click with people I think he'll do better on the raw brand because he can show more intensity and maybe be more segment driven and character driven in that sense well I, I kind of see this as like I mean I don't know whether this is positive or benefit but Raw's kind of had a reputation as being a, a, a land of the giants Essentially, you have people like the Roman Reigns, Braun Strowman, your Brock Lesnar that's near the top. Whereas Baron Corbin was like meant to be the big guy on SmackDown, where he would be the person that would toss around the little guys and like beat them up. Now he's around with people of a similar build and height to him. And that could be a very good thing that it leads to a lot of like big guy matches, which people can get hyped for. Or it can mean that he becomes the essentially the low guy out of the bunch of big men he's the one that they beat up to make them look good well what's interesting with baron corbin is they moved samoa joe Mm. and if we get rid of brock lesnar this year baron corbin becomes the pretty much the biggest out of the heels so we got a lot of fresh people that he could feud with uh, there hasn't been a Roman Reigns Baron Corbin feud. Looking forward to it. Uh, Braun Strowman Baron Corbin. Not Bobby Lashley Baron Corbin. Uh, we did get Dean Ambrose, but it was kind of rushed a little bit. So there's a potential for another Ambrose Corbin feud, and Balor Corbin, and um, Rollins Corbin, and potentially like Jason Jordan and you know. Zack Ryder and whatnot, but like I'm, I'm assuming Zack Ryder's cannon fodder. Oh yeah, um, definitely. Same thing. We'll see Baron Corbin beat the shit out of Gold Dust. You know, like that kind of a thing. I, I really can't see like the Mike Kanellis and Zack Ryder ones in particular. They just seem like moves for the sake of moves. Yeah, there's like there wasn't any fault put into it. Just like okay, well we just need a couple more bodies to get beaten up every now and again. Like, yeah, and Mike Kanellis seems like he might have turned babyface too. He's got a point. It's like the misfit. He's got a new child and stuff like that. He's overcome addiction and things like that. It's very hard to book a heel in that way, really. You've got that many yeah, but then positive things going for you. The bad thing for him, though, is he's so generic without having some kind of like, look at my wife, isn't she hot kind of a thing, that he's going to go out there and it's going to be like, Mike Kanellis, the, the Kurt Hawkins of Monday Night Raw, like that kind of thing. He'll just he'll lose. Kurt but. Hawkins is the Kurt Hawkins of Monday Night Raw. <laughs> um, the the Baron Corbin thing, he could get a solid push out of this. I don't think he's winning a world title, but with if Brock Lesnar leaves, especially if he leaves like right after the Greatest Royal Rumble, Baron Corbin's going to get a major push. And this also is good news for Kevin Owens because Kevin Owens becomes de facto the most trustworthy heel. So that's good. Well, him and Sammy, I'd put pretty similar levels. Close, but Owens has won titles. Yeah, yeah Sammy's not won but a Zane one. can easily be the sidekick who might actually get some titles now. Now he immediately gets thrust into Sami Zayn is potentially the pick of the next Intercontinental Champion. Well, if you also want to talk about potential like main event heels on Raw, Bobby Roode was traded over to Raw as well. That's another thing, yeah. Which Bobby Roode. I think it's gone completely under the radar because Bobby Roode has been such a colossal failure on SmackDown. Well, we got Bobby Roode could 
definitely turn heel. Need and to I, turn heel. I also think Dean Ambrose is going to turn heel this year. It's very much potential with that, but I think like out of the two, if only one of them was to turn heel, Bobby Roode is desperately need to heel turn. Yeah, yeah. He between the two, if one of them has to, and the other one like the refu- uh, refusal that he can't give me the Bobby Roode turn. Ambrose can still work with a couple different people here and there. He can still do a Baron Corbin hardcore feud. He can still do, uh, you know, Dean Ambrose versus Kevin Owens. You know, like there's, there's still some things you could play around with, but Rude needs to turn heel. Um, I think that this seals the deal that Finn Balor is not turning heel. Dude, this, uh, that sucks. Everything with Balor pissed me off about the shakeup because he needed that move to SmackDown. And I don't know how they didn't pull the trigger. Yeah, I kind of wanted him to move too. We've well, lost the club as well now. Yeah, the Balor Club has moved over. He they literally lost the, the only thing that he was kind of making himself a name out of. And I mean, what do you do with him now? Do you have him just be generic Finn Balor challenging for the IC title? Yep, I guess that's, that's it. it. Really, yeah. Do they? He's not even the, the demon IC anymore. To, to SmackDown for the Miz Bryan feud and then have Balor maybe win the US title. I mean, so much of this is all predicated on what if, and Balor is one of those major people who is just lost in this what if clusterfuck. I think Balor could be one of the biggest sufferers of the fact that they're now uh, co branded pay per views. That if he's not fighting yeah. for a title, he's not on the card. Well, this is tough too because if you look at the babyface breakdown of uh, just assuming if nobody turns, which at some point somebody's going to turn, Roman Reigns, Braun Strowman, Bobby Lashley, Bobby Roode, both Bobbies. That's kind of interesting. Dean Ambrose, Finn Balor, Seth Rollins. Those are our main event, upper mid card type of guys, just on babyfaces. And they could also throw in maybe Jason Jordan. Stop you know, trying to make he, Jason Jordan a thing, Tony. He's more of that mid-card range. I don't think he's got that upper mid-card type of spot for him. Same thing for Zack Ryder. Uh, same thing for uh, No Way Jose. Like, they're the mid-carders, you know? But Reigns, Strowman, Lashley, Rude, Ambrose, Rollins, and Balor. That's a lot to handle. And you got to assume Roman Reigns isn't going anywhere. He's probably going to win that fucking title at Greatest Royal Rumble, and he'll just be the top guy, and he'll be on every pay-per-view, and tough shit, deal with it. Braun Strowman can't get lost in the shuffle. That would be a real shame if he does. It's hard for him to get lost, considering the size of him. And Seth Rollins is the Intercontinental Champion. Yeah. So Dean Ambrose right now isn't a factor, because he's not on the show because he's injured, but... Bobby Lashley, Bobby Roode, and Finn Balor are all going to be fighting for where the fuck do I fit in? Well, I think they have big plans for Lashley because I definitely think before Lesnar's done, they're getting a Lashley-Lesnar match. Well, this is going to spoil a little bit of what I wanted to talk about next week, but uh, with the Greatest Royal Rumble, we don't know what's happening with Brock Lesnar's contract. And even though I'm going into this until next week, maybe they change something up, but I'm going into this expecting Roman Reigns to win the title. There's a chance that maybe he stayed on long enough, at least 
until Backlash. And they do Roman Reigns loses again to Brock Lesnar, and Bobby Lashley wins the title from Brock Lesnar at Backlash. And then we get Bobby Lashley versus Roman Reigns or something like that as a feud. The idea that you think that Lesnar is going to wrestle twice in like, what is it, eight or nine days is pretty weird to me. I don't think he will, but there's a chance, you know. But I I think that they will definitely build to a Lashley-Lesnar match, maybe at SummerSlam. I think I read that the contract is maybe ending right at SummerSlam or right through, right before SummerSlam, somewhere in that area. I, I don't think any details in terms of the length of the contract has been revealed. It's more along the lines of, um, like, WWE and UFC both have dates allowable for Brock Lesnar. So I'm... I mean, we'll obviously get more into this in the day before on will, but I don't think Lesnar's going anywhere for a, at least a, a year. So. The weird thing mm-hmm. to me, and I again, we're going to get more into it next week, but you have this 50-man rumble, right? And if you really want to get the title off of Lesnar without making Lesnar look weak, just put the goddamn title on the line in the 50-man rumble match. Even Brock Lesnar can't take 49 other guys. You know? <laughs> You know, like that idea hit me, and I just don't know why they wouldn't do something like that. Nah, you're winning a trophy instead. Because it all goes to show you that when somebody wins a battle royal and they get a trophy, they get a push. <laughs> uh, Five out of six people. <laughs> Naomi, uh, her big push uh, became, no, don't kill my husband. She's back to being the Uso girl. Yay. Uh. And Baron Corbin's big push was... Hey, remember when Baron Corbin won that? Yeah. (laughs) Hey, remember when Mojo Rawley won that? Oh, yeah. Hey, remember when Cesaro won that? Uh, Wasn't that the first one? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) So whoever wins this Battle Royal, uh, this Royal Rumble, it's going to be like, hey, remember when they won that? Oh, yeah. I don't know. That trophy and shit? (laughs) Maybe they do a thing where the winner faces Lesnar at SummerSlam or something, but they need to do something on Raw with this men's division because it's getting kind of stacked, but they all don't have a top prize. And I don't really like the thing that they do where the IC title is the top prize and then Lesnar comes back and the IC title doesn't mean shit that month. Mm -hmm. And there's too many people to fight for one title. Because if you've got Reigns, Strowman, Lashley, Rude, Ambrose, Balor, Rollins, Corbin, potentially Ziggler, McIntyre, Elias, Jinder Mahal, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, all fighting for the Intercontinental title, that's yeah. way too much. Well, it's, again, it's point to the issue of the fact that you have the chill banded pay-per-views now. It's the idea that a lot of these people will just yeah. be having TV feuds. They won't get... They won't get onto the pay-per-view unless they're in a really major, like, non-title-related feud or they're fighting for a championship. You're going to see a lot yeah. of AJ Styles main-evented pay-per-views this year. I'm not against that at all. Yeah, neither am I. I'm just saying. But well, let's pivot over to, to SmackDown for that. I'm really um, excited about this side of things. Because SmackDown looks so bare-bones. But it looks so good. Yeah. Like, that's the weird thing about this. They have four... Well, this is the the entire... If you rule out the tag team division, the entire babyface breakdown of the men for SmackDown 
AJ Styles, Daniel Bryan, Randy Orton, Jeff Hardy, Ty Dillinger, R-Truth, and Sin Cara. So you've got four people. Because uh, as much as I like Ty Dillinger, Ty Dillinger is on par with, on the Monday Night Raw side, No Way Jose, Zack Ryder, Jason Jordan, Chad Gable. Not going to be pushed. I mean, he can be the mid-carder who loses the Intercontinental or United States title shots and stuff. But realistically, Ty Dillinger is not going to be an upper mid-carder or a main eventer. Sin Cara, no fucking way. <laughs> Just not happening. Uh, he signed his deal. He is the jobber. And the other jobber is R-Truth. So the two people that you're going to see lose a lot of matches are R-Truth and Sin Cara. You're probably going to also see Ty Dillinger lose a lot, too. But the top uh, main event and upper mid-card babyfaces, there's four guys. There's AJ Styles, Daniel Bryan, Jeff Hardy, and Randy Orton. Styles is de facto the guy. Daniel Bryan just got his return and all this, and I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but there's still a chance that maybe he gets injured again. And uh, there's a big chance now because Sheamus is on the same brand. And Randy Orton takes off good chunks of time. And he gets injured. As long as Jeff Hardy doesn't get arrested, we're okay. Yeah, Jeff Hardy gets injured and he gets arrested. And Jeff Hardy and Randy Orton are probably going to be facing each other for the United States Championship. So you're going to have a babyface versus babyface match. No, Orton's turning. Did you? I was watching SmackDown last night. Orton's turning heel. Well, I'm pretty yeah. sure Orton's going to turn two, which then that means you've only got three. Which means you have to turn Rusev babyface now. Yep. But that doesn't mean Rusev is top level babyface. Rusev is top level babyface. I don't care what you say about like in terms of his ring thing. The reaction that he gets means he's top level babyface. At the very least, he's number four. Yeah, at the very least, yeah. He gets you know, he would be AJ Styles, Daniel Bryan, Jeff Hardy, Rusev. Yeah. So he needs to turn. Like, that 100% has to happen if Randy Orton turns. But Randy Orton might not necessarily 100% turn because we've got a strong enough uh, heel side of things. We've got Andrade, Cien Um Look out for him in the United States title picture, that's for sure. Not main event yet, but US title? Definitely a chance. Big cast, oh. major push out of fucking nowhere. Yeah. That's a little bit surprising. Um, Shelton Benjamin throwing his name in the hat for U.S. title. He's probably going to be the jobber on the heel side of things, which yeah, I don't like that, but I like the idea that Shelton is getting something, because I like Shelton. Uh, Samoa Joe, major, major acquisition. Shinsuke Nakamura is a heel now, and he keeps solidifying that by being obsessed, obsessed with uh, AJ Styles' balls. And The Miz who this could be the time where the Miz wins his next world title. Uh, I don't know. I mean, if I look at the heels right now, I'm thinking Shinsuke Nakamura is in a weird spot. Um, I would bank on Samoa Joe being the next champion more so than Nakamura. But maybe it's Nakamura. I mean, I think I they trade I mean, off a couple of times and then Joe gets it from AJ. I mean, I think it's along the lines of there are three people probably from that list that you mentioned that a real like world championship potential, which is the Miz, Shinsuke Nakamura, and Samoa Joe. Like every any, either 
of those three could be the next world champion after AJ Styles. But well, what do you guys think about Big Cass? It fucking sucks that he's being pushed like to face Daniel Bryan. I mean, I've heard people talk about like, like they're looking forward to the Miz Daniel Bryan feud, obviously, and Daniel Bryan feuding with Samoa Joe rekindling a Ring of Honor rivalry. But you stick with Big Cass, like. Like nothing against, I, I don't want to say like nothing against Big Cass. There's plenty against Big Cass, but he's not worth being in the main event position. That's the case of Vince Man pushing a guy because he's tall. Mm-hmm. And you can't teach that. Let me tell you, I'm disappointed he's not a babyface. I think that he could have been a good feud for Samoa Joe, or he could have been a good feud for uh, maybe Randy Orton. Um, even if he stayed a heel, like that kind of a thing. I just, I just don't think he fits on SmackDown. They've moved him there because, like, he got injured while on Raw, so it's a chance for him to freshen up and change by moving over to SmackDown. But it just doesn't fit. He's he's too big, and he's not good enough as a wrestler. Well, he's I a- had the idea of Braun being the giant brought to SmackDown because I knew they were going to want at least one to kind of mellow out the fact that SmackDown is a very indie wrestling style show right now. I kind of think Samoa Joe fits that category. And Samoa Joe can do both. I think because Joe can do both, he's not the guy for it. You know that they're always going to want a lumbering giant for whatever reason. It just is. It's a fact. They always want that. Big Cass, it's not like Big Cass isn't talented and Big Cass doesn't have good qualities. Just that you're going to waste Daniel Bryan's first big feud back with him? That's the thing, though, because to me, you, you're better off if Big Cass turns babyface, but if you want to keep him healed, then all right, fine, let's try to work with it. I would have thought you bring Big Cass in and you make him squash our truth or you make him feud with Jeff Hardy, or you make him feud with Randy Orton. You don't go to Daniel Bryan. Well, isn't it weird that um, four to five weeks ago, Daniel Bryan wrestling was like this random pipe dream, and now he's just like any other wrestler there. on the card? Yeah. It's as if like those years didn't happen or something. It's hard to grasp, really. I, I don't, I don't want to like be a complete like negative thinker and think that oh well that's brian's ascent to the top or whatever i think you'll still get there and i'm quite happy that it's going to be delayed up until maybe a SummerSlam or even wrestlemania i don't want him to be world champion immediately because i think there's a lot of other people that could hold the title in the meantime but it's a case of, like he's he's got so much momentum he had so much momentum coming back from and you could put him into a feud with... If you put him into a feud with Samoa Joe, it doesn't have to be for a title or anything like that. People are going to be right into it, and it's a chance to build up both of them. In this one, the only person that you can really stand to build up is Big Cass by giving him a bit more experience with one of, like, the best wrestlers on the roster. But you just get... Like, there's no question about it. This feud can only bring Daniel Bryan down. Yeah, and I know that some people are going to try to make the argument that maybe learning from Daniel Bryan will really help Big Cass, but 
I also kind of am a little bit worried that maybe Big Cass is going to be a little bit too clunky and he could injure Daniel Bryan. Yeah, put him with like one of the greenest guys on the roster. Uh, I, I really don't want to think about Bryan getting injured again. We just got him back, so I'm trying to not think that yeah, way. It's something that you got to keep in mind, though. I'm going to. Oh, you know what? This is something that's completely unrelated to what were the current topic, but it just popped in my mind. And if I don't say it now, I'm going to forget about it. I'm really disappointed that we've got uh, on the SmackDown tag team side of things. The Usos and the New Day and the Bludgeon Brothers are still just all like the top, and we're just like going to keep saying that all over again. Like, I really think they should have split that up. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, one yeah, of the Usos and the New Day were going to be on Raw. I'm happy the bar's st- over now. Maybe we can split Cesaro because he would just fit what's going on right now in their m- top single guy scene. Yeah, if we split up Cesaro and Sheamus, then maybe Cesaro adds another babyface to the main event. But SmackDown is quite low on tag teams at the moment in terms of their actual numbers. I mean, they've got... Well, they got the New Day, the Usos, the Good Brothers, the Bludgeon Brothers, the Bar, Sanity, technically Rusev Day, and technically the Colognes. The Colognes? Really? Mm-hmm. But oh. they they will and always will be the colons of SmackDown. The colons. <laughs> yeah. Mm. But it's... And you could turn the Good Brothers heel. You can uh, you can turn the Usos heel again. I don't think that they will necessarily, but Sanity seems like they're heels. So Sanity and Bludger Brothers and the bar for at least a little bit. I think that um, move makes me fit, think that the bar is going to be sticking around for a, a little while to come still. Do you and think the... that the Good Brothers are going to try to help AJ, and this time he's for real going to reject them, and they'll go with Nakamura because of that whole Japanese. Even though Carl Anderson and Lou Gallows are as, you know, white American as you can get, they like to bring up the whole Japanese thing because that's where they were most popular. I don't see them working with Nakamura. To be fair, I don't see them working with AJ Styles either, as opposed to, like, maybe just a couple of six-man tags, but I don't see them actually... Like becoming a unit. unit. Yeah. Well, when it's time for Killian Dane to fight AJ Styles, you're going to see a lot of sanity versus the club. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's going to happen. Um, but going back to Brian, I, I think back to a Talk is Jericho podcast that he did when he won the Intercontinental title. And he was talking about how they weren't divided brands yet, but WWE was looking towards making him a top guy on SmackDown. And he was saying, you know, I love working with Ziggler and Ambrose and the top guys of that time, but he was like, I also want to work with Heath Slater and show people why Heath Slater is in the company and the good that he can do. And maybe that's Mm -hmm. the philosophy he's taking with Big Cass, and maybe he offered to work with Big Cass. That's true. I mean, I'm not saying that that's something that you don't do down the line, but like the first thing he does, it just seems like surely you want to, even though it's a big deal, him coming back in general, surely you still want to build him up a little bit by giving him some, like some feuds that people have been wanting to see for years and years while he's been off. I really thought we were going to get a triple threat at backlash. Yeah. Either the triple threat backlash or a feud eventually with Nakamura or Samoa Joe. And I know they're trying to hold this stuff. Maybe just immediately throw him into the feud with the Miz because that's just like, so ready to go i'm sorry but that, that's that's summer slam or mania yeah maybe the idea behind this 
and this implies WWE's thinking about this, which <laughs> clearly they're not, because they weren't thinking about anything. But maybe the philosophy is Big Cass needs it. And to have Big Cass go up against Daniel Bryan and to beat Daniel Bryan gets him some momentum that he can recover. Plus, Daniel Bryan versus anybody is going to be a marquee match for the most part. And if you get Daniel Bryan versus The Miz, that could be at SummerSlam. That could be if they don't do Raw versus SmackDown on Survivor Series, which I hope that they keep going you could do something big on survivor series they've been treating a lot of the b shows as like they don't want to be b shows anymore and money in the bank is going to be everybody thrown into the mix anyway and stuff but we could get daniel bryan versus the miz at wrestlemania we could get daniel bryan versus shinsuke nakamura at SummerSlam. eventually when andrade san amas is ready to go uh daniel bryan versus amas could be an interesting feud Certainly Daniel Bryan versus Samoa Joe. And we could also get Daniel Bryan versus AJ again. We could also get Daniel Bryan, Jeff Hardy, Daniel Bryan, Randy Orton again. Although that one is like, out of all of them, that's the one you don't want to do. Uh, And Daniel Bryan versus Cesaro if they do just regular matches and stuff. So I think between Nakamura, Joe, Miz, and the potential of a Styles match, you've already got the, the major, major ones that Daniel Bryan can do. And maybe they just bring Big Cass on the board early on because they want him to beat the guy that everybody knows is the most popular. Like if you had Big Cass versus Randy Orton, as much as I think that that would make a lot more sense, does it matter as much? Matt, Matt, no. I mean, I mean, what you're saying, like, I guess it it does make sense, and I can go on with it. But it's like the idea in my head of like it was already bad enough for me to think that like Big Cass is going to be the first major feud Daniel Bryan's going to have back. Then also, you positing the idea in my mind that Daniel Bryan's going to lose this feud. It's just literally, like, the rage is bubbling up under the surface now. That, <laughs> but that, uh, just think about this. The Miz is going to fuck with Daniel Bryan. You know, so obviously the Miz can cost Daniel Bryan this match to Big Cass. You know, I mean, there's ways to get around this. And I was thinking, just... Real quick thought popped in my head. If Miz wins that ladder match at Greatest Royal Rumble, is he a 10-time champion? If he's won it nine uh, times before, then yeah, I guess. <laughs> no, he's only won it eight times before, I think, right? I, I don't know. I haven't. I don't keep track of that. the stats. Because I was, was going to think Miz gets the record. That's kind of been Miz's pride and joy, that title. That's the title that Brian last held and left in the ring. I think the IC title, even though that feud could easily be for the WWE title, the IC title in that feud for SummerSlam might work out perfectly. Although, I think if they were going to go that route, they wouldn't have had Jinder lose the United States to Jeff and then move Uh, Jeff over and then have Jeff lose it. So, Jinder wins at Greatest Royal Rumble. And Jeff and Randy are already feuding. Randy's guaranteed this match with the US champion. The pay-per-views are co-branded. Jeff has a guaranteed rematch. You do a triple threat there. Jinder still wins, but you can continue the Jeff and Randy feud into, let's say, Extreme Rules, and they can do a TLC match with or something. I don't know. Which they won't do because they're not a title match, and so they won't be on the card. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but I think, I think Jeff and Randy are good enough, and we haven't established yet. Are the pay-per-views consistently four hours now? 
They're the best of both worlds. I don't think so. And the best I think that they're just regular three hours. Yeah, it hasn't. They haven't revealed anything extra with that. But I'm just, I'm just going on the lines of again with the big cast losing. Like, even if the Miz was to get involved, what does that accomplish? Big cast only beat Daniel Bryan because the Miz got involved, so he doesn't really get any sort of rub of beating Daniel Bryan. No, and Daniel Bryan loses. He just say, "I beat Daniel Bryan. I don't care what you saw. I saw me beating Daniel Bryan." Yeah, but everyone else saw the fact that you didn't win because you. So it doesn't. So it doesn't matter what he thinks the victory means. It's what everyone else thinks what the the, the win means. Boo! You're a heel. Well, you, well you're <laughs> applying <laughs> logic. <laughs> you're well, it's, just case, do it's, that. Just, it's just the case that he's a he's a giant heel, and he should be someone that should be squashing the little guys on SmackDown. And so, if he can't beat Daniel Bryan without the Miz's help, then doesn't make him seem like much of a giant, does it? That's like why I think he should still be on Raw, because he fits in more of the crowd of people there. And you could have moved someone like Finn Balor over to SmackDown, who is the smaller the smaller guy, the smaller indie guy. Like, wh- what's the problem with, like, making SmackDown that type of show? Well, one thing I do I want to like... pitch this to you guys. Uh, say somebody like... Um, let's pick Samoa Joe. What are you most excited to see from Samoa Joe? Is it Joe Styles again? Joe Bryan? Joe Orton? Literally any match with Samoa Joe yeah. I'm looking forward to. Samoa Joe is coming out of the WrestleMania thing. He seems to be the star attraction. One of the star attractions at the very least. Like his promos has been kind on Raw against Roman Reigns and stuff like that. He's, he is like looks on fire. And he could easily be... I, I would be totally happy with him holding the WWE Championship for the majority of 2018. And Joe cut that promo on SmackDown, and he laid it out that he's coming for everybody. He made me excited for any potential matchup. I'm excited to see Joe finally reach his potential in the WWE, above all else. I mean, I'm going to be pissed off because he's almost... Because uh, whether Roman Reigns wins the Universal Championship or... Uh, uh, Great for Rumble, or he loses to Brock Lesnar and needs to get a win back. He's got just Joe's going to lose that match. Well, that is where Greatest Royal Rumble makes major, major implications here because they didn't, they clearly didn't think a lot of this through, and that's why we've got people on separate brands fighting each other. And I, I guarantee you in their mind, Vince McMahon was just kind of like, fuck it. They get to see a raw and a super SmackDown superstar against each other. Why are they mad? Like that kind of a thing. But maybe Roman Reigns wins the universal title. If that's the case, Samoa Joe loses. Totally. Yeah. If Roman Reigns loses and he doesn't beat Brock Lesnar, then there's nothing on the line. And even though it would seem weird that Roman Reigns would lose, and then he would lose, and then he would lose, maybe Samoa Joe beats Roman Reigns because of interference by somebody. And that starts a whole new feud with Roman Reigns. I think that's the way that you have to go with it, because really, what's on the line at Backlash is Roman Reigns' credibility, even in the eyes of... Somebody who's like, you know, like me and you, Tony. It's like, yeah, Roman Reigns. I like Roman Reigns. I'm getting to the point where it's like, holy shit. If you're going to keep doing this with this guy where it's like, you know, he's the biggest deal ever, but he can lose to the Miz clean and he can lose to, you know, he can get his ass kicked by Lesnar. He's immediately going down in my eyes. 
I'm not looking at it that much. I'm just looking at it as, okay, you had him lose. That's not going to make me cheer him more. Like, that mentality of, like, well, they must be mad because he's winning all the time. If we have him lose, then they have to cheer him because, see, we had him lose. But who has that, that mentality? That. Like, that has to be something that they're sitting in a room in their own bubble thinking, this is what it is. They're mad yep. that he's winning, and it's not that. I just want to see Roman crowned and established, and no more will they, won't they with Roman. Just make Roman the guy, leave it there, and let's move on, you know? I'm kind of working under the assumption, though, that he loses. If he loses the United, uh, the Universal Championship match at the Greatest Royal Rumble, he's losing the Samoa Joe at Backlash because of Baron Corbin. I think that that's happening. Or maybe the match just doesn't happen. What match? You know? But Joe uh, and Roman? Joe, Roman Reigns one. Maybe it just doesn't happen because they have clearly switched uh, different matches around. We had The Undertaker versus Rusev out of the blue, just random casket match. And then they were like, nah, Jericho. Nah, just kidding, Rusev again. <laughs> Maybe they just go, you know what, fuck it, we're not going to do a Samojo versus Roman Reigns. And over the next week, we don't hear anything about it from Samojo, and we don't hear anything about it from Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns focuses on Brock Lesnar. Greatest World Rumble goes by, Samojo is fighting for that Intercontinental title, and the week afterward is Backlash, and we get Samojo versus, uh, I don't know, um... Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> well, you know, like, maybe that's kind of one of those things. Maybe we don't even get some Mojo on the card because we didn't get him two WrestleManias in a row. I, I would agree with you, but they're really building up that match with a lot of intensity. At least on Joe's side, they are. With Roman, and this is kind of where I get into it, I don't know what where they're going with Roman. It's like, yeah, he's fighting Lesnar in a cage, but why? He doesn't really need to fight Lesnar in a cage. Nobody interfered the first three times they fought. You know what I mean? They're just kind of going through the motions with Roman, assuming that, hey, no matter what happens, coming out of Backlash and the Greatest Royal Rumble, he's Roman Reigns and he'll always be a top star. And that's going to get stale. You know what I mean? Well, Roman Yeah, it's style. problematic. Roman Reigns style? God, that, that could never happen. <laughs> it's like what they're doing with... With John, well, John isn't—he got squashed by Taker, and he's, you know, he's not the the always winning megastar that you thought he was. Yeah, but now he's just kind of coming across like a Jericho level part timer who comes in to put over guys instead of comes in for big matches. You know, well, that is actually a good transition to the final topic that I wanted to bring up. We know that these are the rosters going forward and they can always change things around because we've gotten in the instances in the past where somebody's been like, hey, I've decided that I want to switch over to SmackDown in the middle of August and, you know, whatever. They could do that kind of crap. But people that we don't have factored into this mix are Chris Jericho, John Cena, and The Undertaker. They're all in that free agent kind of capacity. And I guess kind of technically Kane a little bit, but Kane doesn't really matter as much. 
John Cena is still going to hang around. He's not going to be a main roster regular type of guy, so that's why he's still just a free agent. But we are still going to get John Cena pop up once in a while. Technically, he's a free... whether that's I was going to say technically he's a free agent in more ways than one. There. Yes. Yeah, that's true. Uh, we could get John Cena popping up to fill in a blank on a SmackDown thing every once in a while, and there's not a whole lot of room for him on Monday Night Raw, but you know maybe and what the hell's going on with the undertaker he's fighting at the greatest royal rumble in a casket match against rusev or jericho or rusev which implies that he can actually wrestle more than two minutes so is the undertaker going to be back more i mean the last one of the last times that we had seen him before he said i'm not back for a once a year thing and then he took off two years yeah so what the fuck's happening with that? And then he he did that, took off, fought Roman Reigns, retired, came back and squashed John Cena in a match that wasn't advertised, and then he has a casket match? Like, huh? Okay. So, Undertaker could be a random-ass SmackDown person or something, like... At this point, and I don't want to be this guy, but if they're both there and they want the casket stipulation, why not John? You, well, you know? I thought the casket stipulation, why not Kane instead? Well, Makes a lot more sense no, to he's not going to be there. Oh, yeah. It wouldn't, yeah, now he's not going to be there, but that might have been like the, an initial idea you could have gone. But the, the idea with the Undertaker and stuff like that fundamentally and i think now it's gone to the point where literally we cannot predict what the undertaker is going to do because i don't think no. i think day to day the undertaker may change his mind on this situation but if i was to predict anything at this point and obviously this probably won't happen because again it's absolutely impossible to predict what he's going to do i think he might be gearing for one final i'm not saying like complete run but like where he wrestles Three or four times between now. Semi regularly, yeah. Yeah. Where he wrestles like like the part time schedule wrestles like maybe half a dozen at most times between now and WrestleMania, where he has his rematch with John Cena. I do think that Taker will be a semi regular part of the next year. I think he wanted to do that when he announced it. A year and a half ago, but maybe he decided health-wise he wasn't there, and maybe he really wants that one last long run, and that'll take us to WrestleMania 35, where finally <laughs> he's you know done. And I said 35 like that because I had a brief moment of like, holy shit, 35. But yeah. Where he, yeah, where he defends the WWE Championship against John Cena, and then he's done for real. Like, if they fucking, because I'm just gonna send this out there. If they, on the two WrestleManias that I go to, if both of them are John Cena loses to somebody the year before, and then he beats them for the championship, he's <laughs> so fucking pissed. Because that's what happened with the the Rock situation. If that happens again with John Cena and Undertaker, then oh. Tony, at the very least, at that point, it'll be the 17th world title win. Yeah, Tony, I hate to break that to you. I also hate to break to you that the hot dogs are probably going to be cold as well. That the what? The hot dogs are going to be cold as well. 
Uh, they're probably gonna suck again. <laughs> well, the superstar shakeup is one of those things where we have no idea what the hell their plans are. Uh, clearly, they turned Natalia babyface. They split Nikki Cross from Sanity. We've got the Good Brothers no longer as part of the Balor Club. Chad Gable and Shelton Benjamin are no longer together. The Mistourage is broken up. Daniel Bryan is being entrusted to be the number two babyface, despite how a couple weeks ago they said nobody can even punch you. <laughs> Big Cass is fighting him. Uh, Drew McIntyre is a heel on Raw, teaming with Ziggler. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn have their jobs back. The Singh brothers aren't technically with Jinder Mahal, who was the United States champion, who lost it to a guy that moved over, but then could lose it again, and then the Intercontinental title can switch again. We already know who the Raw Tag Team Champions are going to be, but it could be the people that are on SmackDown. <laughs> it's like, this is insane. And on top and of that, you still have a 50-man Royal Rumble next week for nothing. A 50-man for Royal nothing. Rumble and every title on the line, except for the women, because women backwards-ass countries. Yeah. Because we're and all about the women's revolution, except when there's a lot of money involved. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So it's tough as hell to try to figure out what the fuck is happening here, but we're not going to know, not even next week, we're not going to know the week after that, we're not going to have an idea of what the hell any of this means until middle of May. Yeah, at the very least. But maybe just to round all this up with the Superstar Shake-Up stuff, if, if you were to predict which like move or call-up will have either the biggest impact or the one that you're most looking forward to, which would it be? Majority. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, tell you the truth, I think the thing that's going to make the biggest impact is Samoa Joe. If I'm playing it safe, I'm going to say Miz on SmackDown, where he can, you know, be pushed towards the top. I'd, and I'd say, like, the one I'm most looking forward to is Samoa Joe on SmackDown, but I think the smartest move was Natalia over to Raw. I could see that being one of the smarter ones, yeah. Another one I think that's going to be up there for a really smart move is Asuka to SmackDown. Yeah. All right. Poor Asuka. It's, it's almost kind of like, hey, we really need you on Monday Night Raw because you're undefeated. Are you lost? I right, go to the B show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Get out of here, Asuka. We don't care. Now we got Ronda. Well, um, I'll round it up like this. If you had to pick with the rosters that we have, who do you see winning the co-branded Money in the Bank? Ooh. Oh, shit, that's tough right now, because I had Bobby Roode before this. Um, mm. uh, well, all right, I can yeah. tell you some people it's not going to be. <laughs> like, it's certainly not going to be Aiden English. It's certainly not going to be Primo, you know, any of the tag teams. I, all right, I'll, I'll give it down to my, my five. Bobby Roode. Drew McIntyre, Kevin Owens, Finn Balor, or Bobby Lashley. I'm going to give you one name. The Miz. I was really thinking Miz. But I'm going to oh, give man. you one from each. And I'll say on the Raw side, Bobby Roode. On the SmackDown side, Andrade Cien Almas. 
just pitching something, how awesome would this be? Shinsuke Nakamura beats AJ Styles at the Greatest Royal Rumble. They have a rematch at Backlash. Nakamura low blows him, retains the title, whatever. Uh, Nakamura fights Randy Orton, Jeff Hardy, blah, blah, blah. Who cares? Randy Orton, or not Randy Orton, um, Daniel Bryan beats Shinsuke Nakamura for the championship at SummerSlam. Meanwhile, The Miz wins Money in the Bank. And whenever it is, The Miz cashes in on Daniel Bryan to win the WWE Championship. That would be so good. And then you know that they have to get to Mania if you do it that way. Because then Bryan can just win the Rumble, finally. Which yep. Are they in? Where Where are they for the next Rumble? Phoenix? Uh, maybe? Um, <laughs> I don't remember. They're, they're close to where America? they live. <laughs> and, you know, Brian finally gets the Rumble win he needs. And yep. Brian versus Miz is a very good main event of WrestleMania. Then you get, like, AJ Styles in a regular type of match. Or maybe AJ Styles is fighting for the United States title around that time. AJ Styles against, like, a, a Samoa Joe. Or, AJ Styles, um, Samoa Joe in some type of no-DQ grudge match would yep. be great. And Big Cass is probably injured again, so then he doesn't need to. <laughs> as, as excited big, as The I Big am. Cass wins the Battle Royal and gets a trophy that means nothing. Yeah. As excited uh, as I am for all of this, the sucky thing is it all depends on what if yep that's wrestling it's that's yeah uh five months from now we might be looking back and going i'm sick and tired of seeing jeff hardy versus big cast 17 times in a row or something you know like it could be one of those things where why did they put the title on our truth <laughs> you know what I mean? How come Killian Dane has been uh, a seven-time world champion just because he's fat? Who cares? Like you know. But it will be very interesting to see. So tell us what you guys think about all these topics in the comment section below. Long edition of the hot tags. Yeah, really, essentially, um, essentially, it's a double edition. Uh, this is the main event, and we also have another main event that's going to be coming up because this is the mailbag week or month. Well, every month is mailbag month. It's mailbag week for the month. That's how you should put it. So a lot of people have sent in some questions already, or a lot of questions have been sent in, I should say. And we're going to get to that tomorrow. And if you have not sent in your questions yet, you got to do so pretty much by the end of the night because you can't submit it tomorrow and I'm not going to answer that shit. Um, If you want to be aware of when that comes up, Subscribe on YouTube and ring the bell for notifications and make sure that you also follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Smart Moment. Did I say leave your comments below? If I didn't, then do it. If I did, then anyway. I didn't. And you have uh, memory loss. And <laughs> Unless the comments are asking when the video is starting because it's not. Right. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. All you're doing is talking about stuff. What is this? Smack talk? Yes. <laughs> Um, also follow these guys on Twitter. Uh, we got Callum over there on Wigmeister14. Uh-huh. Anything else you want to toss out? Uh, maybe a salad, but other than that, no. Insert jokes in the comments below. <laughs> Robert over there at, uh, Dude Felice. And, yeah, you can also check out TimeKillerApparel.com and PandemoniumMania.com. And, and uh, if anybody that's interested on the T Public side of things, they haven't taken down Nicholas Club yet. 
Two people bought a shirt, though. So thank you. I'm assuming it's Nicholas and uh, John Coon. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's it. Um, I'm tired, so we need to start editing this. It's going to take forever. And we'll be off, I'm probably assuming, by the time that NXT is going on and stuff. So you'll probably be watching this at the same time and everything. Or you're watching it tomorrow. Whatever. You know, blah, blah, blah. We'll see it when we see it. <laughs> this has been another Smart Cat Moment, everybody. Thanks for listening. We are being counted out. <laughs>